0: This episode is supported by Dove. For nearly two decades, the Dove Self-Esteem Project has provided no-cost, academically validated tools and resources to parents, mentors, and educators to build self-esteem and body confidence in young people. Now, they're taking action to support the next generation so that they have a positive experience on social media. Narrow beauty standards have permeated our feeds, causing girls to digitally distort themselves on social media, perpetuating beauty ideals that can't be achieved in real life, impacting girls' self-esteem. Dove is tackling the issue of digital distortion with Reverse Selfie, a film rooted in new research from the Dove Self-Esteem Project. They are also providing a new confidence kit so that kids and parents can navigate social media with confidence and have a more positive experience online. So head on over to dove.com slash talk and get helpful tips to have the selfie talk today. But Alex. Yeah, Shane.
1: Let's begin this episode.
0: Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this family tree podcast, episode 85.
1: Why are you laughing, Alex?
0: I can't stop. Oh, boy. That was the third time we've recorded that because I just keep getting the giggle fits.
1: Well, (laughs) well, we have someone else editing this episode. So out of politeness for them, we didn't want to have all the Fucking around that was going on in our first couple attempts at this so basically to recap what we were saying in the past uh attempts at recording this we were saying this is a supersode we have dr drew on right that's a pretty big guest and we also have the women from my therapist says which is lola and nicole and i had never really known about this account But they're huge.
0: They're huge. So all my girlfriends know about My Therapist Says, which is a super popular meme account, just because everything is so relatable. So I was very excited to get to chat with the women who run it, which are, you know, Lola and Nicole. They're two best buddies that grew up in Toronto. And they just started this account together. And now they're doing it full time. So it was very interesting to talk to them about what the heck goes into meme work.
1: Yeah, piqued my interest. It's like, how do you how do you monetize that? Yeah. What's the process in making a meme account? Like, how is that a career? And it's it's very cool job I would think to have. Like in in a lot of ways, it's my dream job.
0: Oh, I definitely that is your dream job. I can see you doing that for like you know full time kind of thing.
1: Yeah, because I like writing commercials and stuff, no, but exactly. sometimes directing them can be such a pain in the neck. And with a meme, it's like once you get the idea out there and you slap it on the photo, you get that instant gratification. Yeah. And that's all I want. I want, <laughs> I just want someone to tell me they love me and <laughs> like all my photos. And then, of course, Dr. Drew.
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh,
1: he could have been an opera singer. I mean, the man he was on. What's that show called?
0: Masked Singer.
1: Biggest show in the world. He was the rockin' rooster. <laughs> okay,
0: no, he, so he wasn't the rockin' rooster, but close. He was the eagle on The Masked Singer. And of course, if you don't watch the masked, the masked Singer... But wasn't
1: it the rockin' eagle or something? It was like
0: the rockin' eagle or something. But he was an eagle, definitely, not a rooster. But if you don't know Dr. Drew from that, I know maybe the younger Jen might not, he is involved in so much. Shane and I are huge fans of Loveline. So that was so exciting for us because of that with adam carolla he also is a regular host on mtv's teen mom the dr Oz show and a lot of other daytime shows and if you don't recognize him from tv you might recognize him from his podcast work because he does that i feel like non-stop he does dr drew after dark the adam and drew show as well as his live streaming shows ask dr drew and dose of dr drew i'm exhausted just thinking about all the work that takes
1: and when we called in t- for this interview he was on the line with like a 90 year old woman. Yes. Like he works in hospitals. He was like helping a woman. That out. was his patient. Yeah. So I don't know how this man finds <laughs> hours in the day to do all this, but yeah, it was very cool to have any of his time. And he was very generous with his time too.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, he was he was everything I was hoping that he would be. And honestly, it was interesting to be able to ask him some questions that we had oh yeah that we thought would be kind of hard hitting.
1: Well, we're not hard hitting. It's just we were a little trepidatious because there was some a word on the street was he was downplaying COVID and that he could potentially be again anti-mask type person. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, man, is this really – uh, something I want to get into and get all the backlash of that, but turns out that was not the case at all. And uh, he made his stance very clear, yeah. it, which was a little bit relieving. And he also gave me some advice on how to deal with my mom and the vaccines and, you know, AstraZeneca. There's a big controversy here. A lot of people. They don't want to take it in Canada, and I guess the equivalent in the States would be Johnson & Johnson, so he gives his thoughts on that.
0: But babe, before we get into everything, cheers with our Seedlip cocktail for the night. So went nice and easy doing Seedlip Garden 108, which is like our de facto favorite, and a little Fever Tree Cucumber Gin, which we have also become obsessed with. They go together so perfectly. I'm
1: going to enjoy this. Oh, yeah.
0: Like, it's no shocker what it tastes like anymore, Because we know because we drink it so often, but it's it's so refreshing. I'm still shocked.
1: Speak for yourself. I'm still (laughs) shocked. And, you know, I'm glad you didn't work hard today. Tomorrow's Mother's Day. So Mm -hmm. wait till you see everything I have in store for you.
0: Oh, you actually have to do some work because I ordered some bakery made gourmet pop tarts. So you actually have to go down in the morning, pick them up.
1: I have to pick them up? Alex, so you know I can't drive. <laughs> like, what do you – like, I have to go downtown? <laughs> it's all one-way streets down there. I can't drive. I'm like my mom. My mom refuses to go downtown, and I'm I'm down with that stance.
0: Babe, if I die and the girls have, like, soccer practice downtown, what are you going to do?
1: Get them up the mountain. Like, get them in a league up the mountain, an indoor league up the mountain. I don't care. <laughs> I Like, do you want – I won't make it to Father's Day. Okay, if, you
0: know what we're doing? I will drive. You're gonna come and sit in the front seat, and you can pop out
1: the passenger side of the front seat, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. I'll pop out, and, and it'll it'll
0: it'll be nice actually going for a little morning drive. You know, you can make me a coffee in my to go cup, and that will be. I'll
1: massage your neck, and
0: yeah, you better be. I ordered the freaking pop
1: tarts. Yeah. And although every nice brunch is sold out in the city, <laughs> Believe it. I will find the <laughs> crappiest place that didn't sell out and get us some <laughs> nice brunch. You know, I tried that motel place, but it, everything sells out too quick.
0: Well, babe, you got to order these things, honestly, two weeks in advance, especially because it's COVID. It's people don't have the option of going out. So mm-hmm. everybody is ordering. So yeah. this is something that needed to now be now done two weeks ago. Me.
1: Well, I guess it's a good uh, warning for Father's Day or, or a lesson learned. <laughs> so now we know. <laughs> Not that anyone cares about dads. Well, here's so, the ma, thing. Ma, ma. I did
0: order my favorite rosé today as well. And there's enough. I ordered accidentally the wrong sized bottle. I was supposed to That's get a big bottle. That's your favorite rosé? Yeah.
1: What about Nona? Well... My Nona's name is Roseanne, and sometimes we call her Rose. I'm That's a good a, joke. making no, it, a Rose joke. It took joke. me
0: a second. but uh, I still don't think you I get have it. that, so I put it in the fridge, so you can also be pouring that for me during brunch tomorrow.
1: Okay. I'll be doing that. Perfect. Um, our little girl, topic number one, our little girl had the diaper fairy take away her diapers. Oh, my
0: God. I, I'm half embarrassed that I'm making this known publicly because... This is so not how I want to approach diaper training and potty training. I didn't want to have some magical fairy coming in and stealing diapers, but that's kind of what we've resorted to.
1: And think we told Lucy, like, on your third birthday, the diaper fairy comes and just takes all your diapers.
0: And she leaves you brand new undies, and you get to choose what color.
1: Oh, I'm... <laughs> I wish you had told me that. This explains why she was freaking out and wanting underwear so bad. Okay, that makes more sense She now. She
0: asked specifically for pink undies from the Diaper Fairy.
1: Okay, I only had teal ones.
0: No, we found pink ones. On Amazon? No, in her room. Okay. So, But we have to order some from Amazon now.
1: Okay, so the we, we were planning on her birthdays on May 12th. As of this recording, it is May 8th. Yeah. So... We we saw my mom. uh We did like a porch, like
0: a backyard, like
1: a, a backyard birthday party, and she, Lou, you know, she's just understanding days of the week and stuff. So she kind of thought today was her birthday, even though it's
2: four mm-hmm. days
1: away. Uh, but then I went to put her to bed today, and there's no diapers, and I'm panicking. I'm like, Alex, where's where's the diapers? You're like, Oh my god, there's no diapers. So. I go back up. I'm like, yep, it is your birthday. It's it's your birthday. And you know what? I forgot. And the diaper fairy took them. Flips out. She starts crying. She goes, but I'm not a big girl. I'm not a big girl. And she starts bawling. It was the saddest thing ever. She holds out her foot. She goes, look at my little toes. She goes, I'm still a little girl. She goes, look at my little leg. She goes, I have a little head. I have a little neck. And I have little arms. I'm not even that big. She goes, I'm not that big. I know. It was so sad. I was like, you know, tearing up and crying she goes i'm not a big girl i'm not a big girl i don't want to be a big girl she goes i'm still little and i give her she gives me a big hug and then uh she's like what's that and she points to the ground and then it was just this teal thing of underwear on the ground i'm like oh it's it's undies and then that made her feel better so i put the undies on and she totally changed her mood but then she was always paranoid that she was gonna take a poop because she's never taken a poop on a toilet before, yeah. is it? Most children, like they'll pee in the potty, but it's it's hard to take that next step yeah. to to take a dump. So she, she, now she's obsessed with just sitting on the toilet.
0: Well, it's funny because after you, sorry, I had to collect myself when you were ta- telling me that story because you hadn't told me that yet. And just thinking of her doing that and saying how little she is, I think that'll make me cry or tear up every time I think of that because mm-hmm. I feel the same way that she does. Like, I'm excited for her to get older and grow and do new things. But at the same time, I don't want to see her get older. I just want her to have those little arms and little legs and little head and little toes and everything. You know what I mean? It's uh, emotional. Yeah. But it was funny because then I went up to her room after you to say goodnight. And I said, okay, Lucy, like, should we try to sit on the potty one more time? Should we try to go poo, try to go pee? Because if you go tonight... Then you're going to get all your stuffed animals dirty, <laughs> which will like this is going to be a disaster because, Shane, I can almost guarantee there's something's going to happen tonight. It, for sure, pee, may, maybe poo.
1: Yeah. and She's a nighttime pooper.
0: She's a nighttime pooper. And uh, this is just going to be a disaster. But we do have Nona living with us right now. Nona, she quarantines at home and then does a test and then comes and lives with us for child care help, you know, once a month. So she's here, thank God, because I have a feeling the next few nights are going to be uh, kind of hectic. Mm-hmm.
2: I like
1: the idea of her just doing that once a month, just doing all this quarantining, <laughs> and stopping by for like a few hours. All right, goodbye. No, she, it's a week out of the month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> now, Lou, I walked up the stairs to, to get you to tell you something. And you were, i to my surprise, Lou was on the potty. I thought I'd put her to bed. And she's like... Daddy must watch me now. And her thing is me just watching her poop. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. I just stood there in silence as she tried to poop. But yeah, this is going to be an interesting oh, period of our lives. It's
0: going to be a nightmare, I think.
1: Uh, next topic. I'm not proud to admit this one, oh. but uh, you were very excited to get the vaccine. You you booked the vaccine and you were like, Shane, I'm like, what is it? And anytime you yell this out, it's usually something absolutely terrible or the greatest news ever. And I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, what? I'm nervous to hear. You go, I booked the vaccines. And you're like, Here, <laughs> jumping around. And then I was like, oh, cool, yeah. And then later that day, you go, oh my goodness. I can get it even sooner. They're releasing vaccines in Hamilton even sooner. Forget our booked vaccine. Let's get it tonight. Hop in the car (laughs) and let's go to the pharmacy and get it. And I was like, well, you know, it might be a madhouse there. And uh, let's just wait till our booking, which is May 26th, because I'm scared to get the vaccine.
0: Why are you scared? The needle?
1: I hate needles. Yeah. But
0: but can you get your flu shot? You had your flu shot.
1: Very scary. I I'm like terrified the whole time. Uh. I'm embarrassed because I start, like, almost fainting every time. I'm also scared of change.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm scared of change, too. But here's the thing. Scared of change. I mean, we're not getting our second shots, so we won't even be vaccinated until September 15th. And as Dr. Drew will tell us in the interview, as you're all going to hear, the variants are kind of smashing through the vaccines anyway. So So that's
1: a relief. (laughs) Thanks for relieving me. Don't worry, Shane. A terrible strain is coming to get us all, and this is all in vain anyway. So this is basically just some Instagram likes on our on our post with us and the band aid and the thumbs up. <laughs> but it's just it's just such a psychological thing that like I, I hated going to kindergarten. I hated going to grade one. I hated going to grade three. Every change is just impacts me so much, and I get nostalgic. I'm nostalgic for this time already. Oh, me too. We've talked about it on, even though this has been so hard and like, Mm -hmm. you know, broken us in so many ways and we're going to see Swingers next week. And there's a quote from Swingers because, you know, I, I know that it's no surprise. Oh, no. We can't see that because it's a lockdown. It's a we, lockdown, so I we forgot. can't go
0: until the lockdown oh, lifts. Right.
1: right. So we were supposed to. Alex rented me my birthdays next week, and Alex was going to rent out a movie theater, which
0: I I did. I I paid for it and everything. Like money was there, deal was made.
1: Oh, I'm bummed now. And then I thought we were still doing that. I forgot that we can't do it. <laughs> see, because nothing changes. <laughs> lockdowns. Don't mean anything, but now I feel the impact of the lockdown.
0: But we're still going to watch Swingers, and then when it lifts, I already have the theater booked, and we're going to go the day that the lockdowns are lifted, we are going that night.
1: Yeah, and you you bought us real absinthe. They just lifted the ban on a legal absinthe. So, and now you can actually buy legit absinthe that makes your brain go all weird or something. Well,
0: okay. So absinthe is made with, it's, it's made in Wood France worm? and it's it's made with wormwood. And wormwood in large quantities, like not enough for you to drink really, but in large quantities, it will make you hallucinate and will cause like, I think, very severe hallucinations.
1: It's going to be a good night.
0: No, <laughs> But uh, so there was a 95 year ban on absinthe, like real absinthe. In North America and I think a lot of places in the world. But that ban was just lifted. And now there's this brand of absinthe that you can get here at the LCBO.
1: What's it called? Let's educate or Lucid. Hold on. That's a good name.
0: I'm going to get the bottle. It looks freaking cool. Have you seen it yet?
1: No, I'm excited. Should we do a shot tonight? Okay, the bottle. It looks like it's like from Germany or something. Look at this. It's from France. Oh, yeah. It looks nice.
0: So Lucid, Absinthe Superior... Yeah, so it says made with grand wormwood, anise, sweet fennel, hyssop, and Roman wormwood. So, two wormwoods. And Shane asked if we could do a shot tonight. We can't because it's actually 124 proof. So, it's not something that you want to be doing shots of. So, when we do it, we're going to have to do it properly. So, we're going to have to measure, and I have to look at the measurements, but a specific amount of water, a specific amount of sugar. You kind of pour the absinthe over the sugar and into the water, and it's called louching It kind of turns into kind of like a milky, creamy look, and then that's what we drink, and it's like a little cocktail. Does it give us the...
1: It has a warning on the back. Warning, contents highly flammable. <laughs> Serious risk of injury if contents ignited. So let's make sure we don't ignite these.
0: <laughs> well, the only time I've had absinthe, it was ignited
1: hmm well never mind then should we ignite it because yeah i heard don't you have to light the sugar cubes on a spoon and
0: no that- you, you hold the sugar cube on a spoon and then you pour the absinthe over the sugar cube but you have to do it on a specific spoon with like holes in the bottom yeah i've
1: had that spoon before yeah. I, i've done it that way mm-hmm. but it was it was with the fake absinthe we just wanted to seem like
0: oh it's we were- fun the yeah. ritual is so cool so i'm excited to do it properly who knows maybe we'll make a drink tonight
1: I'm excited. Let's like just a little bit. I just okay. want to feel weird. You yeah, know? me too.
0: Me too. Okay. Okay. Um, we're doing it. We'll do it after.
1: And you, you know, you and I can't wait for anything. <laughs> I told you your Mother's Day gift. You told me my birthday <laughs> gift. Um, yeah, the bottle just looks so cool. We
0: gave Lucy her birthday gift a week early. <laughs>
1: like we couldn't wait. Okay. So I. this was all the... To say, I was looking up the Swingers quote, which reminds me of how I feel about things. So we're going to watch this on my birthday, I guess, here on our very embarrassingly small TV. <laughs> but there's a quote in it where a guy says, no, one of the characters in Swingers says, and the funny thing is that it's kind of weird, but it's like you almost missed the pain. And then another character says, you missed the pain? And the, then the character says, yeah, for the same reason that you missed her, because you lived with it for so long. And and that's the way I am. I'm like, if something's around with me, good or bad, I get used to it.
0: Yeah. And then
1: when it's gone, I look back and I'm like, oh, that time. <laughs> so I'm doing that with this time so much that the vaccine, although like you said, nothing's really going to change for a long while. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm looking at it as the end of an era. And I am I have like a nostalgic syndrome.
0: See, honestly, like- I I am feeling emotional tonight in part because Lucy's getting older and in part because you just brought that up and is same. It is ridiculously hard. It is incessant. Like we don't get a break at all from this, from the children, from the being in the house. Like it's just so persistent, everything, and it's exhausting, but I mean, I'm with you, all day, every day, for better, for worse, and ultimately, Mostly
3: for worse.
1: <laughs> no,
0: no, ultimately, I love that. Even though, like, we bicker about work, but no, we don't. Nothing, <laughs> but nothing else. And honestly, like, I just love being with you every day. I love being with the girls every day and getting to see them change. I feel like under a microscope, whereas you know, Lucy would be in daycare right now and. I'd be, you know, on the go with Betty all the time. It's it's really made things slow down, even though we're going at such breakneck speed to do all our projects and just everything. So it's a weird dichotomy. I'm feeling lots of different emotions towards it. But yeah, no, I feel nostalgic for now as well.
1: Well, I like being with you, too. And now it's the listener complaint (laughs) section of the show. So yes, I have two listener complaints.
0: Why? Why? Why are they complaining to you? Why? Why didn't they complain to me?
1: Well, I think are they about me? (laughs) One of them is. One of them is about me. Okay, so I got a message the other day. Need to know, what's wrong with having a baby with a musician? Am I missing something? (laughs) Should I not have a baby because I'm a musician? Kind of too late, I guess, but wondering what the reasons are, and I'm referencing episode seven. I think Alex's Alex's cousins called it or something. So this guy is going back to episode seven, but what he doesn't know yet is that you've referenced this several times that you do not like dating musicians it's not your preference you you don't feel like they're the best suitor and this guy you know this guy's an emotional man i feel like uh he he has a beautiful singing voice i'm just going to play some of his singing voice for you okay. right now and tell tell me if you think this guy seems like he'd be a bad father
2: save me from
0: Okay, hold on, hold on. This is the problem, this is the problem. Listening to that, okay, kind of melts me. Beautiful voice. I pop over, I see the guy on Shane's screen. So charming, so charming. And that's the thing, babe. Musicians are, you know, hopefully so talented as he is. They're so charming. And there's something about me and there's something about a lot of uh, friends that I hang with and whatnot and it's just like, it's a weird magnetic thing just because of the talent and the music. However, they're not all nice guys. And then you get roped into stuff. And honestly, he seems very sweet. And I, I know that I was generalizing and I have generalized many times about musicians and I shouldn't do that. But uh, personal experience, you know, you just you get burned a lot. There's a lot of ego at play.
1: So this is more of an Alex problem. Uh, Uncle Petey's his name on Instagram. He's got a beautiful voice. Like, does,
0: does, Is he in a band or is he a solo guy?
1: I think he, it's both. Uh, it's Texas King Giants, I believe. Uh, Jordan. So his name's Jordan, I believe. Yeah, he goes by Jordan and Uncle Petey online. And uh, yeah, he was a person who messaged me a while ago and he said, hey, just got my uh, girlfriend pregnant kind of and he was he was very excited about it and he's like i'm gonna start listening to your podcast no, no. and i think it really <laughs> things came crashing down to earth for him when he heard that and i, I do think you heard his feelings
0: well uncle beady i am so sorry and you do seem like the best and i'm the worst right now and i feel like crap about it and so, I would you don't- say that
1: generalizations aren't aren't nice to make
0: yes Yes, even if they're about even if they're about <laughs> musicians. And I guess, you know, I uh I have not been taking it easy on musicians lately. And Uncle Petey, if you continue listening to the pod, I can guarantee that's not gonna be the only time you get offended. I think very recently I was making statements about musicians as yeah. a general group. But uh I'm truly sorry and I, I will watch my tongue when it comes to musicians going forward
1: okay so that one's on alex now the second Sorry, listener complaint is about a comment i made i know shocking i know a lot of <laughs> listeners are probably like how uh but yeah so i the other day i made a we we did a i think it was a date night episode and i was saying that i wouldn't be embarrassed if you and i were wearing identical tracksuits walking around right it might have been a regular episode <laughs> just in the question uh in the question segment at the end and you said why wouldn't i be embarrassed and i said well when you're close to 40 it's like the norm to be in a relationship right so, and you're almost like a loser if you're not in a relationship <laughs> so so i used bad words and this person was is a widower who was offended and i think i believe like above 50 oh, and it's like so are you calling me like a loser because i'm not in a relationship was the the vibe or the sentiment and this person is very nice by the way very they, nice they weren't coming at me with any anger but it made me think like oh geez yeah, i shouldn't have chosen that word and no i do not think anyone over any age is a loser for being single but what i meant is you're more comfortable to be caught in a um, a cheesy situation mm-hmm by friends and not be embarrassed if you're older because, I don't know, you kind of, you stop trying to be so cool when you're older and being in a relationship and being lovey-dovey with your partner isn't considered as like pure cheese. Mm-hmm. And that's all I meant by it. So wanted to clear the air with those two things. You know, I wanted to show that although Alex makes a lot of mistakes on this podcast, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes Shane does also. So I'm human too. And uh,
0: oh man, I feel I feel so sick about uh, the Uncle Petey situation. Honestly, yeah, you I and me both. That. Yeah, I hate that. And uh, your situation, I feel I feel sick about. It. I don't like
1: that. Yeah, yours was worse though. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> book club. You know, I'm in a book club. People have been asking me uh, if I'm going to finish the book. The answer is no. <laughs> I I cannot read. I've realized that I have either a form of dyslexia or some sort of learning dis- disability, ADHD, something. I, I'm almost certain it is dyslexia, though, the more I've researched it. And that is words are jumbled when I'm reading them. They're flipping. Even when I was trying to say woodworm or wormwood. Yeah. Words like that. And that's common where, you know, mixing up your left and your right. Mm-hmm. If you're of normal intelligence and you mix up your left and your right, which I do often. I was I was just, you know, doing the like health check google search thing where everyone self-diagnoses but i have all these things in retaining any information that i'm reading is impossible following plots getting confused telling stories out of order all things that i do i'm convinced i have dyslexia
0: well you don't like fantasy genre either like fantasy novels or movies or anything like that and i'm wondering if that's a part of the same thing because there are so many plot lines i can't follow the plots
1: i can't remember names characters names plots i i can't remember directions when i leave the house i have whatever it is it's Mm -hmm. undeniable that it's some sort of learning problem like i couldn't finish high school and i do not consider myself to not be intelligent
0: yeah no you're a smart guy for sure
1: so i can't read books (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, babe. Your strengths lie elsewhere, um, and I think it's important. Honestly, I've spent I spend
1: hours trying to read this book, hours, and I'm on page sixty.
0: Oh, honey, that's demoralizing. I feel bad for you. Yeah, that's demoralizing. I, I'm so,
1: like, I want to figure out. And uh, here's the thing: audiobooks. People will say, "Why don't why you do an audiobook? I can't. It doesn't go into my brain.
0: So you can't like picture it. Yeah.
1: I'm imp- and that's the thing, too. If someone's trying to tell me how to do something, I'm impervious to learning. So I have to do it myself to retain it. It's a really frustrating life. It's been for me. And I'm realizing this through trying to read a book.
0: Well, you're you're a very different type of learner. And I think that's the thing a lot of people don't realize, especially as adults now, because when we were in school, they didn't really focus on on the different mm. types of learners that you'd have in the classroom. So if you were a different learner, like Shane, you may have not had your needs met in school and you may have not done well in school. Whereas today, ideally, you know, things would be put in place and your learning needs would be met, but they're only really finding more and more out about that now. And, you know, if you think your kid is a different type of learner, you Shane as an example is probably example, mm. but honestly, like you've made such a successful life for yourself you have a like a career which you love and succeed at and it's a you have a great job like
1: you have but a great i job. may never be able to park downtown because i don't know which way to turn the steering wheel when it comes to parallel parking and left and right and i mix up and i'm going to drive on the wrong side of the road down there and go down the wrong yeah. way so yeah there's definitely um drawbacks but you're right i am a massive success so there's still <laughs> just, hope
0: out there. no i just i you know for parents listening if they have older kids and you think your kid's a different type of learner i just i think it's a great story just to help not let them get discouraged not let their kids get discouraged because you know it's just a different path <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: no I'm, I'm very flattered but let's should we get to our first interview with let's, dr drew
0: oh my gosh i'm so excited let's do it
1: but wait, Alex, we can't just hop right in. We we have sponsors that support us and support this show, and we should tell people who they are. So without further ado, we are supported by...
0: Hello Bello. Being a parent is hard, like really hard. So when you go to get diapers to prevent the next eventual blowout, finding a diaper that's absorbent and soft without spending a fortune shouldn't be just as tough.
1: And I assure you, Hello Bello does have the best blowout protection there is. Yes. How do I know? We were in a situation where we had to use another brand diaper recently, and it went terribly wrong.
0: It was a disaster. But Hello Bello is co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard and is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices.
1: Best and most stylish. I mean, your kids are going to love putting the diaper on because they're such cool designs.
0: Their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 different fun rotating designs throughout the year. And each bundle comes with seven packs of the awesome diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-sized product freebie with your first order. Plus, you can get 15% off any of the add-ons like the bubble bath, the wipes, the diaper rash cream. I use my kids' detangler because it smells so good.
1: And I don't see one tangle in that hair.
0: Why, thank you. But to get Hello Bello super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door, go to HelloBello.ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree30 for 30% off your order. That is a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved.
1: That's right. That is HelloBello.ca promo code ThisFamilyTree30 to start bundling with 30% off your first order.
0: Don't forget, that's HelloBello.ca promo code ThisFamilyTree30. This promo is applicable to Canadians only.
1: But we are also supported by
0: Clorox on-the-go disinfecting wipes. More than ever, we're so aware of how easy it is to pick up the germs around us.
1: And these wipes are so important to me right now. I can't even stress that enough.
0: Absolutely, and not only that, but they are convenient and perfect for cleaning and disinfecting multi-surfaces when you're out and about. You can use this product on hard, non-porous surfaces such as, Shane, hit me,
1: cell phones, door handles, light switches, laptops, recycling bins, microwave exteriors, fridge exteriors, windows, stovetop exteriors, bedside furniture, weights, and gym equipment, desks, countertops, car interiors, and of course, children's toys. (laughs)
0: Take a breath. Good job. But you can use them basically anywhere, and these wipes are bleach-free and kill 99.99% of bacteria and viruses. I've
1: never heard of anyone getting a full 100%, so I would say this is the best you can get.
0: Oh, top of the game. They're sold in a conveniently-sized pouch that is so perfect to keep in cars, purses, at work, and even when you travel. You can purchase the Clorox On-The-Go Disinfecting Wipes at your local Walmart, grocery store, or on Amazon.
1: And now let's get to our interview with Dr. Drew Pinsky.
0: Well, Dr. Drew, thank you so much for joining us today. It is a pleasure and very exciting to be meeting you. How are you?
2: Pleasure's mine. Great. The, the <laughs> miracle of Zoom and Skype.
0: Right? I know. So for I just want to get everybody on the same page. For our listeners who, for some reason, don't know that well who you are, can we just start on the same page? And what is your history in medicine. What is your background, your medical background?
2: I have many different jobs over the years. I'm an internist. Then I got trained in internal medicine. Then I did a year as a chief resident. And then I started teaching internal medicine. While I was doing that, I was doing an outpatient medical practice and an inpatient medical practice back in the day when you could do ICU care. I was doing a lot of intensive care medicine back then. But alongside of that, I started running the medical services in a psychiatric hospital. And all the medical problems were down in the drug unit uh so i spent a lot of time down there i got very good at you know, detoxing people from alcohol and drugs and people were asking me to see more addicts i knew very little about drug addiction at the time and the director of the program uh said hey i need you to be the assistant director so just you will just be covering me at christmas you know i go on vacation no big deal and then six months later he quit and so i went from assistant director to director at the time i was also directing their medical services and so i was like i gotta get my act together here and really Train up and make sure I understand well, what this thing is uh, with treatment of addiction, alcohol, mm-hmm. and that really became uh, a twenty-plus year endeavor. Uh, and really, my one of my main focuses for for many many years. Uh, along the way, I taught through the Department of Psychiatry, the addiction side. I, I taught through the Department of Medicine. I taught through the Department of uh, Pediatrics. I taught in adolescent medicine for a while. All the while, I was doing this radio show late at night, and that's sort of how <laughs> yeah. that all. I always thought... The radio I started doing in 1983, primarily because one Anthony Fauci at the time was urging us young physicians to get out there and educate and educate about HIV. Mm -hmm. And we didn't didn't have the term HIV yet. We were still calling it, by the time time I really started doing radio, we were calling it HTLV3. And uh, the term AIDS had just been coined. And I was treating lots of AIDS patients at the time. That's mostly what I was doing for the first five years of my career, I'd say you know, I just thought I was doing community service. I just did radio one night a week. You know, it was interesting and fun and something I did and it became this thing. Uh, Along the way, I got, you know, board certified in addiction medicine, board certified in internal medicine, became a fellow with the American College of Physicians. And this radio thing just kept kind of rolling alongside of (laughs) my medical career.
0: That's such an interesting career, you know, path to take. Why entertainment? What sparked your interest in that?
2: No, no, no. I, I, there was no no interest. You got hooked into it. Dr. Fauci <laughs> told us to go out and educate people about <laughs> HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And I had this opportunity one night to go in, and I was shocked that the young people were bringing these questions to a radio station. And so I said, to kind of keep coming back and doing this, this is community. Ser- I thought I was doing community service. I did not yeah. have any sense that it was entertainment. Um, it was an entertainment environment at the time, but I was just trying to deliver the message. And no one was talking to young people. We, we were talking about the idea of safe sex before the term had been invented. So it was, it was the early days of all this stuff. And, and I did it for 10 years, one night a week for free. I was just doing community service. And um, it was actually when they decided to roll it out five nights a week, my wife became pregnant with triplets, that she said hey, no more free service, no more community service. No can't yeah, back up the brakes truck. Yeah. <laughs> That's called a job. And so you're going to have to get paid for that. I was like, okay. You know, I just sort of went in, hat in hand. And uh, I think I got $50 a show initially. And uh, and then it started kind of becoming a bigger part of my life slowly. But the whole time, I was a very reluctant participant. I mean, I mm-hmm. back when MTV Loveline came around, I was like, I, TV, how do you do a TV show? What does, what does that even mean? I don't know what you're talking about. But- but I'll tell you what, I can give you Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. If you can do it there, I'll, okay, this sounds interesting. Let's see what it's all about. And that's when we did it, Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. And
1: obviously you became famous along the way through doing this after be, being kind of inadvertently sucked into doing this show. <laughs> You're obviously comfortable fame with fame now, but how long did it take
2: before you actually got settled into that role? I'm not sure what you mean by settled into the role. Uh, all I know is that fame is a is a kind of a tool. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it lets you do other things and helps you, you know, if you want to make a difference, helps you do projects and things and have other opportunities. People for whom fame is a thing, are people that not, not really had other jobs, frankly, uh, I, I see that happen all the time. If you've not really worked your ass off in another capacity, fame can get catch your attention. <laughs> otherwise it's just a a kind of an instrument
0: and that reminds me of a quote that i read from you in an interview you said that you want to simply use media to do good and do you think in the course of your career have you accomplished that
2: i hope so Uh, every everything i've ever done has always just been an an exploration and improvisation where i think well let's see see if i can make something out of this see if i can do something good with it see if it turns out good uh, some things I knew would be good. I mean, I knew that Loveline worked. I knew that that had a real impact on people. When Teen Mom came along, I knew that would work. And now we have two academic studies that show the higher the viewership of Teen Mom, the lower the teen pregnancy rate in those communities. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that would work. I went – and, we, and and it's also why I'm so shocked by the 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 way public health messaging was approached during the COVID epidemic. We 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 know for sure how to public message, how to create change behavior. We had to address that during the HIV epidemic. I mean that was a that was a epidemic with a 100% fatality rate, mm-hmm. 100% fatality. When people came in with their first episode of pneumocystis pneumonia, I would sit them down and say, "You have six months to live," and I was never wrong. 100% fatal. And we had to change people's behaviors and you didn't shame people and you didn't mandate things. You, mm-hmm. you, you, you persuaded by giving them an, a relatable source. So something that they could relate to a narrative where you learn from the consequences of that person's choice, a little humor, a little music, boom, there you go. And teen mom was all of that. It was a relate. I, I, people, when they see the consequences of somebody they can relate to his behavior, they change their behavior. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, this will work. I knew it. I knew that would work.
1: Now, obviously, a 100% fatality rate is terrifying. And now everyone is terrified of a 1% fatality rate. And to, to some, like to, to hear that from a doctor, oh, you have a 1% chance, that might be relieving. But of course, you contracted COVID. And when you have it, is the 1% making you think, oh, what if I'm the 1%, especially given your age?
2: The most bizarre question I got when I was sick was, are you scared? I thought I really was confused. I was, I was so sick. I was out of it, but (laughs) I was, as, as I started looking back at people's texts and things, I was, I thought that is the weird, it just struck me as weird. I said, so it's a 1% fatality rate. When, when a doctor says 1%, they're telling you do not think about it. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. It's not, not you. 99% is a hundred percent in a physician's mind. When I, I have prostate cancer. I was told at the, at the, at the surgery that had 90 percent probability of cure that's it don't worry about it 90 percent is good now what i worried about was being hospitalized i worried about the long hauler stuff because we don't really know you know what to make of that and i got plenty of that i worried about being hospitalized because when you first of all, when you're hospitalized it means you now have severe covid number one and that's a different fatality rate number two you're taking a bed for maybe somebody who needs it more than you and there's a ton of stuff to do to stay out of the hospital and that's again that was astonishing to me that that wasn't emphasized more by public health officials
1: now i've I've heard you speak of that there's too much emphasis on the fatality rate and not enough emphasis on the morbidity rate and could you just explain
2: what you mean by that morbidity is just the injury the injury of the so the long hauler syndrome That's like 20 percent, and we really don't know the long long consequence of this yet so so i I think, you know, talking about the fatality rate, if you're not in a risk population, which is, you know, obese, older, that sort of stuff, yet we need to worry about in those populations for sure. But in the younger group, we need to be thinking about, you know, taking it seriously because it can hurt you, Mm -hmm. not kill you, but hurt you. And it's pretty nasty. And what
1: were some of your like uh, I've, I've watched interviews where you said, I'm technically a long hauler. What what were the symptoms that manifested for you?
2: so i stayed ill after three weeks and i was had trouble getting out of bed uh, the, the main thing for me was neurological which is a, you know, it sort of has three components right the, the autonomic stuff where people have this autonomic instability with their heart rates going up and they're dizzy and they can't handle exertion pulmonary where you have shortness of breath and those sorts of cough and those sorts of symptoms and then neurological those are the three sort of components of long hauler syndrome and i had the neuro big time I, I i felt like i'd been hit in the head with a baseball bat it was like a, a horrible concussion. Like I, I couldn't think I couldn't follow sequences. I, my sleep was disrupted. My mood was off. I was irritable. It was very strange. And, and uh, fluvoxamine pulled me out of it. That was a sort of an, a, I wouldn't say an experimental drug, but had newly been described as something that might help and it helped me a lot. Uh, I was still left with some, here's the comedy. I was still left with some fogginess and weird symptoms. And, um, we're going we're traveling to europe this summer and we're going to greece and i thought i'm going to learn greek and see if that helps me with this this brain problem i'm having oh my god it's it almost immediately it helped really I, well. learning like really working your brain mm-hmm. like that way i was shocked at how much and and, and it was the end of the that was the end of my syndrome uh, i'm still trying to learn my greek now but but it was the end of the long hauler syndrome for me
0: kalimata how is your greek going <laughs>
2: Lijo. Uh, Liho, <laughs> I I feel like
1: what's not talked about enough when your name is mentioned is how great of shape you're in. You have a speaking of Greek, you have a body like a a Greek god. How much does that come <laughs> come into uh, recovering from something like COVID? How
2: great health you're in. Presumably, it helped me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I have metabolic syndrome, right? I, I have to be very, very careful. I, I, I am at, the, I am the risk group, right? So I have hypertension, hypercholesterolemia. I put weight here. Uh, I'm insulin intolerant. I'm insulin resistant, and, and we are the ones that get the trouble. And I've, ha- I've had virus problems my whole life. I'd had H1N1, which was Jeez. the last pandemic, and trust me, that was worse. That was a that that illness was. I was so toxic. I kept. I was being followed by an infectious disease friend of mine. I kept calling, going. I'm, the toxicity just this doesn't seem right. It's just mm-hmm. too much. I'm so sick. Yeah, that's it. And uh, the, the thing about eight, COVID was the relentlessness. That's what impressed me about COVID. It, it wasn't that I was so toxic. It was just the same every day. And I thought, oh, eventually, if you're not a well, so talking back to being in shape, if you're not a well person to begin with, I could see how the wheels could come off the wagon really easily.
0: Now and that's my fear. So I have lupus. I take immune suppressing medications, and we're in Canada. We're
2: we want hydroxychloroquine for a while.
0: Yeah, and well, I'm on that daily. I've been on it for years, and I just oh my god,
2: stop! It's gonna kill you. Don't you understand? (laughs) (laughs) Is it Is it? Uh That drug in this country, it's crazy. It's the only drug. It's the only drug I'm aware of that you can stay on during pregnancy. It's so safe.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's being
2: sarcastic.
1: Yeah, I
0: see. (laughs) She's gullible.
1: She's
2: (laughs) gullible.
0: But and and I was and we we have two children. I was taking it during pregnancy because I was getting flare ups. But I just got off a course of Prednisone, which was horrible. I hated that. Uh, And those things scare me. And we're in Canada. We're on a stay at home order still. We finally have our vaccine appointments for like a month down the road, but things are just moving so slowly and we have all these new variants here. Like, should I be as worried as I am considering my, like, we've been playing it so safe. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it's a, I'm not sure anybody can answer that question with great accuracy, right? Which is why they're erring on the side of caution. I worry about you taking the vaccine, right? I I worry about the... Do you know which vaccine you're going to get?
0: Yeah, we are getting either Pfizer or Moderna at the clinic that we're going to.
2: I I think that's the way to go, for sure. I I took Johnson & Johnson. I had a horrific reaction to it. Really, All kinds of crazy stuff. But a woman with lupus, I'd say stay with the mRNA vaccines. Plan to have a reaction. It's probably going to be a kind of a reaction, but I would say in the strongest terms, the vaccine is going to be less of a risk than COVID for you, so, so that decision is sort of easy to make. In terms of whether a variant can break through, uh, there was some good news yesterday about the uh, Moderna vaccine having a very very excellent booster available now. That's good. The interesting question will be: Will everybody take that booster, or just the Moderna group, or how that's going to work? We don't know. But look towards the booster in the fall. You'll mm-hmm. you will need something like that. The only variant I really worry about for. I worry about it for, for you and I worry about it for me. Uh, for me, because I swear to God, if I get COVID again, I'm going to jump off a building. It's so, <laughs> so unpleasant. And, and the one that could get through is, is, is P1. P1, the Brazilian variant is you really don't have to worry about 1351 so much. The 1117, no. It's unlikely those are gonna mm-hmm. break through the vaccine that though though obviously the efficacy is not quite as good. But the, that that P one is the one that caught, has my attention right now. And the fact that there could be another one, right? Something else.
0: And why why is that with the P one?
2: Just because it, it's it's the one that looks like it's getting through natural mm-hmm. immunity, which I have, and the vaccine, both with with pretty pretty solid uh, percentages. Mm-hmm. So that's nasty. That's nasty. And do you know anything about AstraZeneca? Yeah, I, I it's it doesn't look great. It's the same as the. It's very similar to the Johnson and Johnson. Okay. just Issues, but similar side effect profile similar, similar everything I, I originally thought those would be the go-to vaccines because they're on such a traditional platform and uh and i took it really just because i knew i'd have a reaction and i didn't want to go through it twice that's really that was my thinking right because really it's and they early had some data against the variants mm-hmm. that looked pretty good but now there's data on these other vaccines too that also looks good
1: mm-hmm. and was there anything you learned as a patient that you feel like you couldn't have learned as a, a doctor
2: Yeah, I mean, a couple things. As I I told you, the fact that we weren't being told how to stay out of the hospital, Mm -hmm. number one, that that was vividly apparent to me when I was sick. Number two, the kinds of treatment that are available, at least here, the monoclonal antibodies are extremely effective. It was a striking response I had. Literally, I was telling my infusion nurse while I was, I, I said, look, I just want to report this to you so you've got the data, but I'm feeling stronger during the infusion and literally colors are getting brighter in the room. And he said, yeah, I hear that all day. I hear that all day long.
0: What is that treatment?
2: It's a monoclonal antibody. They, it's bamlanivimab. Now it's given with eticivimab. Uh, this government, the government here bought hundreds of thousands of, uh, of uh, doses and distributed it. You can get it essentially for free.
0: So it's not like a, it's not like a rich person thing, hard to access, elite?
2: No, not at all. Not at all not at all. And it, it now it, its its efficacy has worn off because the virus is kind of getting around a single monoclonal antibody. But now they give it with another one. They give it as two, much the way the Regeneron, remember Regeneron was mm-hmm. the one you give in the hospital. This is the one you give as an outpatient. For people that are over 55, we have moderate COVID. Anyway, that was striking. That was so surprising how effective that was to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then the relentlessness, that, that, that relentlessness piece is something i have never heard really anybody articulate. It's just, it's just so persistent. You're like, usually, you know, you get sick, you have three or four days of sickness, then you kind of get better. This thing is just like, phew, it just stays, keeps going. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: uh, now when I was telling people I was going to interview you, people were like, oh, watch out. He's an anti-masker. He's an anti-vax. Like that's insane.
2: Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> that's insane that's fake news and that shows you how fake news is generated right yeah you, you say here's what I was here's what I was early in the epidemic for about two weeks I looked at the this is now last February uh, I looked at what was going on in Wuhan China and I was like what's is going on there what is this is mm-hmm. this is not in any no doctor set this up. This is not in infectious disease textbooks. There's no epidemiologist on earth that would recommend this. They're doing the government is doing the Chinese communist government is doing something. I don't know why they're doing this, but it's wild. It's wild. And that was my that was my mm-hmm. thought at the time. Then I saw international press start to mandate that each government in pursue a similar policy. I was I was I was blown. I couldn't believe it. And so my my initial aggressive position was, please don't listen to the press. These people need to shut up. You need to listen to the CDC, listen to Dr. Fauci. As I told you, I've been following his, his direction since 1983. I know he'll get us through this. He's got exquisite decision-making skills. Just shut up. Shut up. Because some, somebody is going to do things excessively, and the excesses are going to have more consequence than this, than this, than this uh, flu, than this this viral illness. And I made I made three, two mistakes. And uh, uh, as I was trying to build that case, I, w- I was comparing it to other pandemics. I was saying, "Look, we had a pandemic in nine, 2009. I got sick with it. It was terrible. It Killed 300,000 people, and you don't even know it happened. And now you want the world shut down for this uncertain, unclear thing? Just co- let the CDC make their decisions." And then I didn't quite appreciate how infectious it was. That, mm-hmm. that was my mistake. I, I, it is the infectivity of this thing is insane. Uh, And then, as I said, I learned about having been sick with it, learned about the relentlessness, the neurological effects and all these things that are really quite nasty. Um, And that was that was on me. But my fear was that we were going to do things that cause untoward consequences. And lo and behold, we did. So now we have a mental health crisis coming our way. We have you know, cognitive and social developmental problems with kids 8 to 15 because of closing schools, which is something our CDC never suggested. They never said close schools. They never said close businesses. They they might have done that in a sort of localized area, but this was not something that anyone, any any medical professionals ever contemplated. So to me, that was just the excesses of it. I was pushing back against. and And then I... Then I let go, and then it became a situation of uncertainty, where in my state the governor shut everything down, and I said, "Well, okay, uh, as a good citizen, I'm going to. Our leaders are in a tough position. We a kind of an uncertain situation, a fog of war. They want to do this for a little while. Okay, let's all sign up for this. Let's support our leaders, and let's do this." Then I became unhappy with how long they were doing it for, because it made no sense at a certain point. So that's my history with all this. I'm certainly Mm not anti certainly not anti-mask i wear a mask this today i am uh, like you i'm worried about the p1 variant um i'm not i'm not against anything i'm, I'm against excesses i'm against not listening to the the right. professionals, yeah. the, and dr fauci let's let them make the decision then we follow them that's all very simple
1: okay dr drew we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by
0: We are supported by Mini Mioche. It's a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Mioche believes in quality over quantity, and they make the absolute best basics for your littles. I'm talking fashionable wardrobe staples that are so soft, comfy, and timeless, and can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender.
1: I'm telling you, if I was a kid, it would be my favorite brand, and I think... As an adult, it's going to be my favorite brand.
0: I don't know. There's talk on the streets that I'm truly hoping that comes true because I am obsessed with their clothing. But their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. They're on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You can find the company online at mini com or at mini on Instagram and Facebook. And use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15 for 15% off your entire order. This is available in Canada and the U.S. And again, that is minimiosh.com and ThisFamilyTree15.
1: But we are also supported by
0: the Miku Pro Smart Baby Monitor. This is the most accurate sleep and breathing monitor ever. What we love about it is that there's no physical contact with their baby since they use the patented sensor fusion technology.
1: What do you mean? Like, are other monitors touching babies?
0: Yes, other monitors are touching babies. So other monitors might, like, there's one that has a sock. You put the sock on your baby. There's another one that has, like, a chest belt. Seems annoying. It seems annoying, and it seems like a hassle. So the Miku Pro smart monitor, it truly just monitors your baby's breathing in real time incredibly accurately. And it works with your smartphone to alert you of any changes to your baby's vitals and nursery conditions. Now,
1: what if I'm a hacker who wants to hack into the mainframe and check out what's going on on the monitor?
0: You can't hack it. What? They use crypto security. You can't hack it. Hackers, get out of here. Not for you. Not welcome in our house the monitor offers hd video and photo and amazing night vision there's also custom dual ole wolf speakers and two-way microphones which means that miku not only plays original sleep sounds and lullabies but allows you to talk to and comfort your baby you can get the monitor at MikuCare.com. And if you use the promo code FamilyTree10, you are going to get 10% off. This is an awesome order. This is unfortunately only available for people in the U.S. only. But again, that is MikuCare.com and FamilyTree10.
1: No other monitor is a Miku. And now let's get back to our interview with Dr. Drew.
0: And sorry, I am fascinated. So you had H1N1, you had COVID. H- how are you contracting these? Why, Why? how did you get COVID?
2: I had horrible mono when I was a kid. I, I'm just prone. I'm I'm prone. Here here's one thing I've learned about my immune system. I, I've always known I was. I've always known I responded poorly to vaccines. Like I have terrible reactions. Like the shingles vaccine put me out for like three days. So I'm very sensitive to viruses. I'm very prone to viruses. But here's what I didn't know. I have great immunity once i've had the illness so i if you look at the immune profiles of people with who've recovered from covid they essentially at least the antibody profile the humoral immunity breaks into three different components a group that drops off very quickly over weeks a group a group that drops off over a few months like three months and a group that's high at six to nine months i'm i'm in that group i have insanely high antibody levels and i'm working with a research group where we're monitoring it on a regular basis and i went ahead and took the vaccine because. Remember, I'm going to Greece. That's why I'm speaking Greek. I'd be
0: <laughs> Very well.
2: <laughs> and we're also monitoring what my response was to the vaccine and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it, it went up even further after the vaccine. Yeah.
1: Why didn't your wife get it? I don't understand that. You're sleeping in the There's same bed.
2: She's a, a superhuman specimen. Right. I, and, I, and I mean that joking and seriously, but at the same time, she has insane genetics. She doesn't get anything ever. And in reality, you know, and she slept next to me the entire night. I got sick, and and you know was very closely engaged with me uh, with the early part of the illness, and did not get it. The fact is, only fifteen percent of spouses get it. That's the data. So, you know, it's it, there is different. There are differing susceptibilities. We all we know there's differing susceptibilities to the serious p- outcomes of the illness. Well, there's differing susceptibilities to infectivity as well and I'm guessing you can't
1: pinpoint where exactly you got it from.
2: I the best I can do is I I, I got it from the ho- my hospital. I was running around that hospital trying to get the vaccine and uh, couldn't get it because it was insane. I was stonewalled at the hospital where I work, but I I remember it was 3 days before I got sick. Actually 2 days before I got sick. I I was in some offices that were poorly ventilated I was thinking this is not comfortable for me. I, I, I this this isn't right. Wow. So that's ironic. You got it while looking for the vaccine. I could feel it closing. I knew I would get it, right? Because mm-hmm. I have this tendency, and I could feel it closing in. I, I could, you know, we had this big outbreak, you know, around Christmas time. And, and I, I just knew it was coming and I got to get the vaccine faster. And could, you can't get it. Couldn't get it.
1: Now, what do you say to anti-vaxxers who are, you know, very organized group and they have a lot of information coming at you? And they're worried about what are the effects of Pfizer in two years from now, what like how intense is that
2: risk? Oh, the, as far as we can tell, approaching zero, Yeah. okay? Because okay. M- mRNA is very unstable. It goes away very quickly. Once, once a few spike proteins have been produced, it, it's not that we, we do not have a reverse transcriptase in our physiology that allows the, the mRNA to go back into the DNA. And, and exactly. for mRNA to get into the nucleus, it requires a tail. That's why mRNA doesn't go in and out of the nucleus. Once it's out of the nucleus, this tail gets cleaved and it can't go back. MRNA in the uh, vaccines do not have that tail. So there's no, there's zero possibility of anything genetic happening with this. And again, MRNA is extremely unstable and gone and, you know, very, very quickly. So it appears zero. I, I'm, I would not do battle with the anti-vax. People that were previously anti-vax, mm-hmm. I don't think I would do battle with those people. That that's a, that's a worldview. That that yes. is, they would literally have to change their social group, their sense of the world. I mean, they, this is like flat earther stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they just they're just they're ensconced and and you know the, if you've ever seen people who try to reason with the flat earth flat earth community, it's really interesting. Like the the flat earth group bought this very expensive uh, gyroscope that if you know, if the earth were flat after 24 hours, the scope would be out by a quarter degree. And so they, the flat earthers put together this huge experiment at their own expense to show that the earth is flat. Well, lo and behold, it was out a quarter degree. And their response was, there must be something wrong with that scope. Right. Of course. <laughs> so if you're going to be reasoning from conclusion, there's no point in reasoning. There's no, no point in it. So the anti-vax group is one group, but, the, but I'm worried about the reluctant group. Okay, that are just kind of reluctant, and and that's a lot of people, and and I and I sympathize with that. I, I get it. I, I get that you're reluctant, and here's the big problem. <laughs> I was, t- you know, my my uh, Adam Carolla, the partner from yeah, course, of Love course, life. yeah. Adam and I still do a podcast three days a week, and he and I were talking yesterday, and and we were talking about this thing, and I was saying, you know, what? How do we get? And how do we help people? Kind of how do we reason with it? And he goes, I'll tell you the problem. He goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes. The government has become like your stepfather that abused you when you were a kid. And now it's Christmas. He wants to give you a sweater. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he hands you the sweater and you go, fuck you. I'm sorry. I'm doing and, and, and I thought, oh, man, he's on to something. Because the government, the stuff I was worried about, the excesses and the overreach and all that stuff that governments have done, have have made a, a certain population so untrusting and so mm-hmm dismissive of anything coming from the government institutions that they just won't do anything and, and and that's a group i think i can reason with i i can say you know i could say look you know i i get it i i i was there with you at the beginning pushing back but you know it came and i was wrong in a certain way and they were wrong in a certain way but here's the deal this thing is nasty it's got more morbidity than you realize and we don't we don't really even know the long term effects of covid yet I mean, because it was like a head injury, I worry dementias are going to go up. I, I really worry about that. And and God, we don't know the pulmonary and cardiac effects long term yet. And there was some data that came out of uh, the uh, National Academy of Sciences yesterday that the virus is incorporated into your genome. Maybe a good thing. Maybe a bad thing. We don't know. We don't know. Um, but anyway, so so I would say, look, th- these vaccines what they'll always point at in this country is what's called the emergency use authorization. It goes, it's not FDA approved. It just has an EUA. That's a formality. It's coming. If you want to wait till the FDA has full approval, fine. Wait for the full approval, but let's get this thing going. The, the illness is worse than any potential risk of the vaccine. I, unfortunately, you know, uh, Fox News yesterday reported, you know, 30 deaths a day or something. Th- that That is Random events segregate non-randomly, my friend, and and you have, there's, there's going to be a certain number of deaths following vaccines because there are a certain number of deaths in the country every day. There, There's, you know, there's really no good evidence that there is, the, the risk reward, as you and I discussed with your lupus versus COVID, the risk reward clearly comes down on the side of the vaccine. So I would just, would be just rational with these people and, and talk about how I appreciate how, how fed yeah. up they are mm-hmm. with the government how wrong they've been, how excessive they've been, and why you wouldn't trust them. I get it. But let's calm down a little bit. This is a nasty virus. There are variants. And the other thing is, is, you know, Joe Rogan got in trouble for saying that the risk reward for a 20-year-old may not be worth it. Did you hear about this? Mm Yeah. 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 Okay. That was a perfectly legitimate conversation because the reality is if you're a healthy 20-year-old, and there's sort of, as you've mentioned, kind of, eh, we don't know the full extent of, you know, the full experience with this virus, this vaccine yet. We haven't had it for a couple of years. If you, you know, the risk of COVID for you as a 20-year-old is, is well, zero from a fatality standpoint, very small from a morbidity standpoint, and you want to wait for the vaccine, I, I get that risk-reward analysis for the 20-year-old. What they left out was, and this is where I would really try to emphasize for people, is that we all have an obligation uh, to really suppress the replication of this virus. The more it replicates, the more mutations, the more the potential for a bad variant, and the more potential that we go through this all again. So I would say to that 20-year-old, look, yes, if you might not wanna take it, it's a risk-reward analysis, it's rational to not take it, but I think you have, should you get it, just those trillions and billions of viral particles that develop in your body are, is contributing to this overall risk that I think we all have an obligation to suppress by, even if it means putting, even if you think there's a risk of this vaccine, it's a time, it's a time to step up and let's, let's help one another not go through this again and suppress the replication of this virus. Yeah,
0: well, I I feel very strongly about that. And I feel that it's a part of our social contract to protect each other and to protect the most, the, the most vulnerable, right? And to stop this thing from replicating, from turning into something else. So that's, I feel very strongly about that.
2: It's, it's a more clear mandate even than masks, mm-hmm. right? Because masks, people argued about, I mean, I've seen a lot of good arguments that they don't work, they make things worse. And there's, 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 there's a room for discussion there. There's no room for discussion on this replication issue. We must stop the replication of this virus. And if you feel any any obligation to the rest of us, as you say, the social contract, which I know Canadians are much better at than you than we are. Trust me, way better, way better.
0: Trying, but,
2: but way better. Uh, and, but but we tr- we think about it at least. We, if we we give it a passing passing nod because it's not just you know it's not just one another because this thing could come around and get you again, and it could be a really nasty variant. So we have an obligation really to really work hard, even if means putting ourselves at risk a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: But you don't think a 20-year-old could contract it and then get some effects 10 years down the line or 20 years down the line?
2: No, I, really, do. Yeah. I do. I right. do. I just think the risk of that is low. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and there, the, here's what, there, what, what the risk reward in a 20-year-old is to take a finite risk versus a yet fully unavoidable, you know, there are people that worry about the vaccine. I don't, right? But if you're worrying about the vaccine, your worry is it's not fully approved by the FDA. We don't have enough experience with it yet. And yet with the COVID, we know exactly, we can define the risk. With the vaccine, we can't fully define the risk yet. And if that bothers somebody, that's a risk-reward analysis that I understand. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: My last question here is, if I if I'm fully vaccinated, how worried should I be about the new variant? Can it can it overcome the vaccine and take me down?
2: The well, B1351 can and the P1 can. The P1 is the more troublesome one. It's the one we're worrying about. It's really not around in this country, the P1. It's very unusual. Uh, B1351 is around and that's why we still wear masks. I mean that's why we're still doing this stuff uh, until uh, you know it, until the the incidence really settles. Uh, I think I, and we're just about there. I mean, we're really almost there to be fair. So, so it's, it's coming soon.
0: That's helpful.
1: Oh, okay. So my mom's 66 years old. She has stage four cancer. If I'm oh. vaccinated and she's vaccinated, can I give her a hug or am I putting her at risk?
2: What, what is her cancer?
1: Uh, lung cancer and it's spread throughout her body.
2: You know what I would do with that? I would put it back on her a little bit. Uh, Because this is not done enough. I I I was complaining about this early on. Let people who are in the risk category determine how much risk they wish to take. You know, your mom has maybe finite life expectancy. And she may want to spend that, whatever time that is, hugging you independent of the risk. And, and we don't, we have taken that autonomy away. I have older, I treat a lot of older patients and they're they're pissed. They're like, my my children won't come see me because they're afraid they're going to make me sick. I, I only have two, I'm 87. I only, I only have two years left. They've taken a year away from me with my family and I haven't seen my kids for a year. And maybe tomorrow I won't wake up. I may have missed all of that, whatever I have left. And the, you got to help. And if, if your mom says, I don't want to take any risk, well then then listen to that too, right? But if she says, you know, I, I, this is worth the risk to me. I, I don't know what time I've got. And I want to see you all the, as much as I possibly can. Then by all means do that. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. no, it does. I, we don't, we don't do that. And It's was weird to me that we, that we, we, we <laughs> totally, we pushed them out here and we wouldn't let them participate in the decision-making. It's crazy.
1: I guess my fear is too, I, I go to my mom, I give her the hug. Uh, somehow she gives me COVID even though I'm vaccinated. And then I pass it on to my wife who has lupus and, I'm just running through all the like I haven't hugged my mom in 14 months. So, yeah,
2: yeah, I, I then, think you need to hug your mom yeah. <laughs> humbly if if she's up for that and, you know, get the vaccine.
0: Well, we can do Can we do in hazmat suits? Something <laughs> like that. I think that might
2: help. Yeah, you yeah, you go, go hug your mo- mom and then you two live in hazmat. Yeah, suits. exactly. <laughs> Let's do that. That's the plan. All right.
0: And Drew, my very last question before we separate has nothing to do with the COVID conversation it has nothing to do with anything we've spoken about. It's just something that I picked up in reading about you, and I gotta know if it's true. Did you consider becoming an opera singer as your full time career?
2: I, for about five minutes. And thank thank God I'm a terrible musician.
0: <laughs> but you can sing opera.
2: That's why I did the Masked Singer, that TV show. But yes, you, but
0: you you sang these boots are made for walking.
2: Well, I sang a number of that. Okay, there's a whole story there, but let me just answer the opera opera part first. Yes, I was quite good. There was a period, my freshman and sophomore year in college, where I was drifting. I was not sure. I, I rejected being a doctor. It was, I was not up for that. I was not smart enough. I, I had lots of crazy thoughts. And I. And one of the things I started doing was training very seriously in singing. And I thought, I'm going to go to West Germany, and I'm going to go train in an opera house, blah, 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 blah. And uh, very wisely reconsidered that. Uh, but always kept it as a as an avocation, and I you know I sing national anthem. I'll come up and sing it. You know, I think I think there may be a time when I'm coming up to Toronto to sing at a hockey game. Oh, maybe We, we got to be there. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know it got sold at auctions and things like that. But but when I saw the mass singer, I was like. I should be on that show. They, they're sort of silly. They'd be fun, but I, I should do it. And so I told some people and a week later, I was talking to the producers and I had not really done much singing in quite a while. And it, it turned up having a, I had a, I have an injury on my cords. And so I'd lost my mid range a bit. So whatever I was going to do, we had to work around this. I had to see a vocal rehab person. There's a whole mess. And then, you know, and I, but I was thinking I would be singing, you know, I, I sing, you know, you know, musicals and Buble and, and Frank Sinatra and stuff like that. And that's sort of the direction I was going. And then they put the costume on me and I was like, oh <laughs> shit, they rock Eagle. It's a, and they made, and they make a big deal about the character, the character, the character, you've got to be the character, be the, I was like, oh my God, rock Eagle. Oh, I don't <laughs> sing rock songs. I just don't. <laughs> and uh, it, it, we ended up with what we ended up with. And, and the, And the the song selection process is extremely difficult, particularly back then, because they'd have to clear a song. Right, Let's say you're Mick Jagger and I want to sing your song. And they go to Mick Jagger and they go, can we clear this? Uh, Who's going to sing it? We can't tell you. What show is it on? We can't tell you. (laughs) It's like they, they couldn't clear anything. But I should have stuck with my original idea about sort of Sinatra and Buble and stuff. I I would have gotten further, but it was fun. It was a really great experience.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: uh, So you can't give us a
1: little taste of (laughs) opera right now. That's off the table. Okay.
0: A little Pagliacci. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Drew, where can listeners go to find all your podcasts? I know you're a workhorse. You have a million things going on, but where can they get everything?
2: So DrDrew.com pretty much has everything. The the new uh, Dr. Drew After Dark I do with Tom Segura's wife, Christina P., most of the shows with her at least, has sort of become, kind of replaced the old love line. It's, it's people sending these voice messages and the kinds of questions are remarkably like the old love line days. And people have always been bugging me to come come up with a new love line. I think this may be it. And then I do my own podcast and I do a streaming show most days. And then we do, Adam and I do a show three days a week and Let's see am i leaving anything out that, that's pretty much it right now
0: that's a lot <laughs> if,
2: if you give someone bad advice do they ever come back at you in a mean way i i no one has ever been aggressive or hostile but i but i remember i, I can't give a specific example but i remember thinking they went f- quite a bit in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah. or didn't take my advice or didn't understand what i was telling them so yeah the answer the easy answer is no but I'm sure, I'm sure people have not listened to me or the advice went haywire in some fashion. So this is all and I wouldn't even call it advice. I'm just trying to give them a frame for understanding what's going on with them. And and you know, the this is back to that model we were talking about, the, the public health model, which is the caller is a relatable source who's talking about the consequences of their actions. And then I'm sort of trying to frame it and 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 help people understand what they're hearing and then kind of move it forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say just, you know, we were, we are big fans of Loveline and our show was initially inspired very much by We Love used to Line. take
1: callers and then we had to stop. We were getting too many weirdos. People and, yeah. predicting
0: my miscarriages and yeah, it Psychics,
2: was... yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I, it's, it's dangerous, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It, it's a high, it's a, it's a high wire act. Uh, so I, and, and by the way, when people have tried to recreate Loveline, they, they make a huge mistake. In that they always put a psychologist in. This is a medical show. Remember, it started in response to AIDS, and we are dealing. With, and it was and to, and it was I designed it to deal with the medical issues of adolescence. The medical issues of adolescence are not prostate cancer and just it's it's interpersonal discord it's it's mental health issues it's substance use it's accidents and you know behavioral issues it's, it's that that's the the medical issues of that age group and uh it, it's not meant to be a psychodynamic you know sort of environment by any means it's identifying understanding and referring medical issues for for mm-hmm. adolescents well, I wish you would have advised us in the early going. Uh, <laughs> well, definitely- I, I don't want to discourage you from taking calls. You, you should take calls, but but just understand it that you, there's a there there's a reason calls are screened. Number one, and then and number two, uh, avoid all that. You know, mm-hmm. avoid avoid the high wire act. You can't. You can still you can still have fun and avoid the high wire stuff. Yeah. No,
0: I, I appreciate that. But uh, Dr. Drew, again, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, and uh, we hope you enjoy your weekend and take thank
2: care with everything. We can work this out. Thank. Great talk to you guys. All Absolutely. Right.
1: And thank you, Susan, if you're listening. Huge thank you for screening. Uh, I will. Tell our her call. She's
2: going to run in here and change things over in just a minute. <laughs> all right. Bye <Bye-bye>. bye.
1: <laughs>
0: take care.
2: That was Dr. Drew.
0: See that interview gave me so much peace of mind and it felt so good to just kind of have a conversation you know about your mom about me and the vaccines and what the future might kind of look like you know for us in our specific we're in a very odd specific Mm -hmm. case and that felt that felt good
1: it's a free doctor's appointment too you had questions (laughs) and that's a trusted name i don't know everything he says i'm like okay that that makes sense sounds like you you know what you're your stuff there obviously he's a doctor right so
0: yeah free no. doctor's
1: appointment if, if you are having trouble getting in to see a doctor start a podcast <laughs> and just start asking him questions <laughs>
0: <laughs> next time one of us is sick we're gonna reach out to dr oz
1: absolutely but now moving on to lola and nicole from mm-hmm. my therapist says Hey, I was nervous for this interview. I did not know what to ask the <laughs> mean people. Sometimes I feel like, okay, an interview should be 20 minutes, but I, I feel like it needs to be 40. So I was, you know, scrambling a little bit, to be honest. Did, did we do a decent job?
0: Yeah, I had a great time okay. talking to them. I, I, think, I think that they had a great time chatting with us, too. But it was it was cool.
1: Yeah, I just felt so uncool and so out of it. And like I'm making jokes about my age to like say like, hey, I know I'm older. Um, but anyway, I, I hope it's good. <laughs> what?
0: It's just funny. Yeah, That's
1: I made a uncool. joke. That,
0: That's uncool. I
1: made a joke that I was 24 <laughs> and they didn't really laugh because I think they were scared in the off <laughs> chance I was 24. So you look terrible. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, let's let's get to our sponsors. Mm. And then we'll get to this interview. But yeah, Alex, tell everyone who we are supported by.
0: We are supported by Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs, Shane, do they make the best nursing bras or do they make the best nursing bras?
1: Does this answer your question? Yes.
0: (laughs) So Bravado Designs, I became, you know, affiliated with them, acquainted with them when I was first pregnant with Lucy. And I sent Shane to the store to pick me up a nursing bra because I didn't have one.
1: Everybody knows it by now. I mean, Bravado has been with us the longest and the reason that is is because they've been getting so many sales because people know they're the best. So they don't want to lose us as a sponsor. <laughs> like let's be honest here. They're our longest sponsor. No, it's for amazing. Good reason.
0: It's amazing. I feel very uh familial with with Bravado Designs by this point. And the exciting thing is that Bravado Designs is no longer just in the nursing bra game. They now have an everyday collection, which offers bras for anybody with boobs, anybody that likes to wear bras. These bras have no clips, but the same amazing comfort for your girls. So you can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off your order. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20.
1: But we are also supported by
0: Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever.
1: But we are always drinking it during this podcast.
0: Oh, it's so fun. It's It's, so fun.
1: It's fun. It's refreshing and it's relaxing.
0: Yeah, and as a non-drinker, it never feels great when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, so Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors which pair so perfectly with a splash of tonic or a cucumber tonic like we got going tonight
1: what do you think the best variant is in your opinion
0: mm I love I don't know I'm between garden spice and people. garden yeah yeah
1: they're all pretty good
0: oh they're amazing
1: I guess it depends what you're mixing it with too.
0: That's true. Anyway. So, yeah, if you want to make more complex cocktails like we usually try to make, you can check out the Seedlip cocktail book or their Instagram account at seedlib underscore N-A. So head on over to Seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. And again, that is Seedlipdrinks.com and ThisFamilyTree10.
1: But now let's get to our interview with Lola and Nicole from My Therapist Says.
0: Ladies, thank you so much for joining Shane and I today. It's awesome to have you. You are a powerhouse account on Instagram, and I know that obviously you built it up from scratch. So I'm curious what you guys were doing prior to becoming the very well-known My Therapist Says.
3: I was uh, acting in Canada on the Family Channel, actually, (laughs) and I had just wrapped a movie, so I was living in LA, and Nicole, you were in college, so...
4: Yeah. I was at Western taking psychology and yeah, we started it right after I graduated. I was actually planning on going back to school and then decided against that after we turned this whole thing into a business.
0: Yeah. And you guys knew each other from Toronto. So like were you childhood friends? Yeah. We became friends after a very tumultuous few months in our
3: personal lives and we found each other perfect timing.
0: Was this ever like a part of the business plan? Like when you were young, just being, you know, we're going to start a business together. We're going to make it huge. Never. Yeah. (laughs) We like, didn't imagine this at all. And even when we started
4: the account, like it wasn't, our plan wasn't to turn it into a business right Mm -hmm. away. It was kind of just something for us an outlet. And then we realized that so many people all around the world were relating to the memes that were, you know, just for us, we thought, and then we decided to turn it into a business yeah. so,
1: what was the first meme where you started thinking, Okay, we're on to something here. This is catching on, or was it more of a gradual build?
3: It was more of a gradual build in the sense that it, within a week we got five thousand followers, which was at the time like pretty much unheard of and very quick. But, When we realized this could be something that we could monetize and build and and create a business out of was I think around 100,000 followers. Mm -hmm. We started getting some Mm -hmm. queries about promotions and about campaigns. And, you know, we had no clue. There was no precedence for this. So we kind of just blindly went into it. And that's when we realized we need to make sure that we're committed full time to this because there's a lot of responsibilities. There's deadlines. There's you know, timelines, there's people that we're supposed to answer to. So after that, I think it, we really like started taking it seriously. And 100,000 followers is what we knew yeah.
1: and, and like we, obviously we do a podcast. We know how to monetize a podcast because there are so many of them out there. There's in my mind, there's only a handful of successful meme accounts. How do you monetize that? Like I, I've never seen a, a meme and then it's like, buy this shampoo. Like how, how does that work?
4: We don't really do those like overt type of uh, ads. We do
3: more subtle memes where the ad is like roped into the meme.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So We do campaigns for, you know, TV shows on Netflix, Amazon, Warner Brothers. We get a campaign kind of deck and then we decide like after a few clips and snippets, what would work best to make a meme go viral, to promote the show in a very organic and within the My Therapist Says tone way. So that's kind of our job to make it, to make something, I guess, uncool and like paid for seem cool and natural and organic and and funny, essentially.
4: And we turn down like a lot of ads, you know, sometimes if it's not something that we would use or if it's too overt, we turn them down and we want to like, you know, only promote things that we would actually use ourselves.
0: Yeah. See, that is so fascinating to me. And I wrote down in my notes, how does work happen? I didn't know how to say that better. And it's like just sitting there. Is it you guys sitting there coming up with memes every day? Like, how does this process happen? And because you post a lot.
3: So we actually on one day of the week, we a lot like four to five hours uh, a day to deciding what we're going to post throughout the week schedule our campaigns because we do have like schedules pretty much three months in advance, especially with TV shows and launch dates. So we have to be like very conscious of what dates align, what networks can't be posted on the same month. So it really is more of like a very calculated mm-hmm. once a week meeting that we do to kind of block things out. Mm-hmm. And then day to day we have interns who help us and I mean we're very hands-on and oversee everything. But, you know, sometimes things slip through the cracks and we try to be very conscious of what goes out there, especially because of our name. My therapist says we, you know, post things that are cognizant and within the tone of therapy and mental health.
4: Mm -hmm. That's always been our motto ever since day one is to, you know, destigmatize therapy and bring lightness to that topic.
0: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was curious about that, about your name, my therapist says and how that came up. And then I was thinking about like meme pages as a whole. Memes are brutal. And like you get on TikTok and it's well, like they more can like memes. live
1: memes can be. brutal. Well, this yeah. is what
0: I mean. And a lot of the meme pages are run by dudes and like they're great at what they do. But a lot of it does have a different tone to it. And I think that's why you guys stand out so much is because you're not that, and you do have a different tone. And yeah, you speak to, I think, a lot of women and men as well, but it, it really does make a difference. But what, like, how did you come up with my therapist says, like, why that tone?
4: So we were actually almost each other's therapists, always giving each other like bad advice through memes. And so once we took our memes from our group chat onto our Instagram account, we decided that would be the best name mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm.
3: So I had a therapist who would constantly, like, give us different advice. And we would be like, okay, so we don't like this advice. So we would tell each other, like, well, my therapist said you should do this. And we were validating with each other. So it kind of became, like, a slogan within, like, the friend group. And we were like, this is the most, like, normal and funny name to, like, name our meme page because it's so true to who we are.
1: Yeah. Now, like, I find I get in a lot of trouble. And I'm trying to watch out every word I say I try to make perfect. The other day I was saying that I used to wear a very light prescription glasses. And then someone tweeted at me that I was being ableist. And even though this was a story I'm saying, hey, I'm embarrassed. I used to wear basically non-prescription glasses. I was saying it was a bad fashion move on my part. And then the person was kind of attacking me. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's very hard to get away with things. You having the name my therapist says, I'm sure people are hyper, like wanna get you. Yeah, exactly. So what do you, how do you navigate these waters?
3: we are talking about it in a very positive and uplifting uplifting way and we're trying to represent a community that felt when we were starting out really underrepresented mm-hmm. but I think people are more grateful that we're talking about it in a broad way in like a mass scale like six million people at this mm-hmm. point I, probably five or six years ago that they really wouldn't have been heard of talking about therapy and mental health and different anxiety disorders and things that you wouldn't hear of on a really big platform back then it was like really funny accounts like humorous ones but kind of Cruel humor for the mm-hmm. most part but for us. It seemed just like a natural segue to be like, you know what, we're going to take something that we've both been struggling and dealing with for years. We're going to find a way to live with it, to humorize it and to popularize it because it's, you know, it's just something that should be discussed. Like it, you shouldn't be afraid or ashamed or, or even like, you know, uh, get criticized for it. Like I know people now are a little more sensitive and like you have to like walk a very tight line. Like even saying, like even stories we've posted, we've had to delete them because people have been like, well, this makes me feel a certain way. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. This makes me feel fat or something. Like even a meme if we would be like, I think Nicole has like an example about like eating too much or something. And they'll be like, well, actually you can't post this because it's shames people who have eating disorders. And right. we, you know, it's not like we would consciously do this, but you don't think of these things because you're like, just thinking about yourself. You're like, Oh, I went, you know, to McDonald's three days in a row.
4: Apparently, you're not allowed to say that anymore. And before we post anything now, we, you know, take the time to be like, will this offend anyone? Make sure that there's no undertones that we're missing. Um, It's just really important to
0: have that responsibility. So from a comedy standpoint, though, like that cuts, even just saying, you know, and saying, okay, we have to take anything about being bloated out of there. Like, I think about getting my period. I'm bloated as all heck. Like, I just had my second kid and I'm still bloated in the sense that like, I'm just, I have a lot of blood in me still and a lot of water and I'm just carrying things <laughs> different. No, it's different when you have a kid yeah. and it's just different. And that's something that I talk about and wouldn't even consider. So it's like, if I was joking around with my friends, right? And we're making jokes about bloating, about eating McDonald's three days in a row, like yeah. you said, if we couldn't say those things in our friend group, you, you know, our comedy is cut in half. Like how do you then sit there and think, okay, would this test? Well, what can we say? Is it harder to come up with concepts than it was five years ago? I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause sometimes like we wouldn't even realize
4: that something is offensive to people. And then we get messages and, you know, sometimes when we don't realize that we take it down. If you know, we realize that it's offending people. It's just about taking that extra time and making sure that, you know, we're not offending anybody.
3: But it does, I know what you mean. It does take a toll on some of the comedy that we're kind of used to within the group chat. Like I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about because obviously our group chat is not something that we would post when my therapist yeah. says. Yeah. Or <laughs> they never are. Small fragments of it. But, you know, I think nowadays people are, I think you have to go to this, through this extreme of like everyone being, you know, sensitive and talking about what, is bothering them to get to a place of normalcy because for so long we've been in this place of like normalizing really toxic mean cruel things so now it kind of has to go to the other side of the extreme to finally get to like I think a very healthy point of like you know if this bothers you say it but you know we should also be able to deal with certain things and be able to say certain things without it right away being triggering or cancel culture or you know there has to be A middle ground that I don't think we're there yet, but yeah, it definitely takes a toll.
4: You know, someone says that they're offended by something, and we're, you know, we talk about it, and we're like,
0: okay, I think this is a little bit unreasonable. Yeah,
1: that happens to us a lot.
0: Yeah, podcast is so much worse. Oh, it's well, Shane's Shane's becoming really good at kind of going through and saying like, I lame was a word in my vocabulary for two decades, and Mm -hmm. I only recently stopped saying, oh, that's lame. Because that's not cool. And that's offending people. So taking that out of my vocab Mm -hmm. and like he's going through old episodes and trying to find out where we're saying stuff like that and removing it. And it's it is a lot because you just kind of jabber on for two hours and you say a ton of stuff. And
1: and every year you learn something new. There's new words, but you can be held accountable for something you said before that was really being policed in a social sense. You know,
3: and I feel really bad for people who are held accountable for it when they're like. You know, significantly younger, and the the time back then was just so different, like, no, it wasn't okay, But there's certain things that, like obviously, you know, racism and yeah. prejudice not be okay. like that doesn't matter what year it was. but there's certain things that people said back then where I read and I'm like, I wouldn't have known this. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know this was offensive, and I don't think they were saying it maliciously, but they get canceled. It's like guilty yeah. until proven innocent. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and
3: I think that's something that should stop because I think it's so it's so scary for people to live like, in even like mildly in the public eye like whether you have a podcast or a meme account or you have any sort of amount of platform following on instagram like you have to live in fear mm-hmm. constantly yeah. of.
1: yeah you're you're always waiting for that shoe to drop <laughs>
3: yeah. we're always yeah. waiting for it we're like it happened it's done it was just gone we lost it
1: yeah like it's it, what's interesting too is a lot of the people who are criticizing me i follow them also and then i'll notice a story they put up i'm like they would be canceled. If, if, if I did that, I would be canceled. But they're doing it. They're just not considered a public person. And then they're judging me.
3: Or if someone who's like within that group is like posting it, it's OK just because they relate to it yes. because you're not that kind of you know, minority group mm-hmm. or whatever and say it. So that's like that's just really interesting to me. But what's allowed and what's not allowed? I still mm-hmm. don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A- Alex and I will just screen grab, when we see these people who <laughs> talk to us that way, we'll screen grab what they do. <laughs> and and just, just save it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Save it in a folder just in case they ever come after <laughs> yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. But, so, you know, we talk about therapy and that's kind of where you guys got your name. So, I'm, you both went to therapy, like you were talking about telling each other what your therapist said. And that's something, like, you're not that much younger. Are you guys 26? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I'm 32, so you're not that much younger you're quite a bit younger but and i'm
1: 24 so
0: (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know even with my age group therapy was only starting to become something that you even did not necessarily something that you talked about but some people were feeling more comfortable going now i find it is just something that you know, everybody, especially your age and younger, is super comfortable doing, super, super comfortable to talk about. And like, Shane, like, I don't know, would your age group even discuss it kind of out loud with other friends?
1: I don't think any of my friends would even go to therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a stigma. Like my parents, if we yeah. were to talk about it, because we've talked to so many people on our podcast, whether they're as couples or whether they are therapists, and my parents are like, wow, you know, what's what's wrong with everybody these days? Everybody needs therapy. And it's like, well... You guys every everybody does need something. But what is it that you think about your generation that you know, it hits them so differently, like the idea of therapy and that it becomes so relatable?
4: I think because, you know, everybody has been talking about it on social media through memes, you get to see millions of other people going through the same thing that you are, you know, you make a joke about depression or anxiety. And in the comments, you can actually see the number of people that are feeling the same way and being able to joke about it, I think makes it more normalized. And, you know, you're, you're more willing to have a conversation about it with your friends and understand that you're not alone in this.
3: hmm. I think it's exactly what you said, how like even my parents think it's so strange, but I think because we see what toll it's taken on the generation more ours, that we're like, we don't want that kind of mental headspace of covering everything and holding it in and bottling it up and letting it affect us in more negative ways, that, like I said, the extremism right now, it's normalizing vulnerability. Like people right now, if you're not vulnerable, you're kind of, the, you're in the anomaly. Right now, I think it's more normalized and celebrated if you're really talking about your struggles. Your, uh, it challenges everything you sort of overcome so I think it's just a completely different time in history it's going to be known that's just the time in which we started talking about things in the most open and public format possible I mean social media right now you're literally lifting you know, secrecy of everything. Like no one is safe or nothing is sacred. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
4: I I think it was amplified during the pandemic too, because, you know, if you aren't talking about all of your struggles, you know, you're going to feel even more alone. So Mm -hmm. I think it's become even more normalized the past year for sure.
1: Yeah. I think parents are more, they have the backup about therapy because they're worried if their kids are going, they're just talking about them. It's like, oh, my my mom traumatized me, you know.
3: Like, what did I do wrong that you need to go to therapy? I
4: feel like I failed as a mother.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Now, um, the the impetus of my therapist said was kind of uh, making fun of conflicting uh, advice you were receiving from therapists. Have you found a good therapist right now that is your go-to? And if so, how many iterations of therapy did it take to find that person?
3: I've been with mine since I was 16. Same one.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, Okay. Nice. So it's the same one that kind of started you talking about the, the same yeah. one,
3: yeah. And, and but it was on and off. Like there was there was years I didn't really talk to her at all, and then there were years in which like she was my lifeline. Mm-hmm. So I think it just depends on whenever you feel like you need to talk to someone. Like it's not even just like I'm, like feeling like unhinged or something. But I just sometimes it just feels easier to like talk through a problem and look at it objectively when you're hearing yourself say it out loud. Then your friends will enable you and be like, "Oh, you're totally right." Or is your therapist will be like you are unreasonable. (laughs) So yeah, I think, I think right away when you find someone that you find that affinity with, you should stick to them.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. In my, when I first got a therapist, I, we didn't really connect. So I went to a few before I found one that I really connected with. And then ever since I've been with her for the past
0: 10 years. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Lola and Nicole, we're just going to take a quick break to let everyone know who we are supported by.
0: We're supported by Mabel's labels. Frustrated by their children's things getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew they could do better than just scribbling their kids' names on masking tape. From there, a new product was born, which has become an award-winning, market-leading company loved by moms and dads and kids alike.
1: Oh, she slipped in the dad's part because you (laughs) didn't write down dads, did you?
0: I I did. I changed it. I changed it in my read because you love Mabel's label so much. So I'm like, I can't leave Shane out of the read anymore. As
1: a dyslexic man, I find it very important to have things labeled.
0: It's, it does help. you lose things. You lose things. Shane, you and I are running around. Our house is chaotic. And using Maple's labels has truly helped us to kind of get our lives in order a little bit. And Lucy loves them because some of her labels have hearts on them. Others have cherries or hedgehogs. They're super cute. And she can help me design them online. Shane and I love them because they are extremely durable. And I'm talking laundry, dishwasher, and microwave safe. And everything is 100% guaranteed. Plus, their line of products seems endless. They have baby bottle labels, allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, and seasonal items. In fact, we just got our camp kit for when we're going camping in the summer with like goggle labels and, you know, hydroflask labels. It's What's it's, a hydroflask? They're like a water bottle that you take and oh, you know.
1: I, did, I I always call it a water bottle. Okay, yeah, it's
0: super cute. So head on over to Mableslabels.ca to start creating your very own labels and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. They deliver internationally and offer free standard shipping in Canada and the US. Again, that is MabelsLabels.ca and ThisFamilyTree fifteen.
1: But we are also supported by
0: My Breast Friend. My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies.
1: Oh, yeah. And we got to get the spelling out of the way. Yes. B-R-E-S-T. That's right. There's no A in this breast.
0: And for more than 25 years, My Breast Friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible and i can stand by that testament shane can stand by that testament oh yeah
1: and this pillow can all it's so soft and comfortable you can use it just to rest your head even when your children are grown
0: (laughs) and what i like about it too it has a little pocket for like either you know my water bottle or my cell phone It's kind of cool. It's like the Cadillac of nursing pillows. They thought of everything. They did. It's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. It's
1: number one for a reason.
0: You can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com.
1: And now let's get back to our interview with Lola and Nicole.
0: You know, again, like starting therapy at 16. I, I don't know, Nicole, how old you were when you started, but... That's something else that is kind of shocking to me. And I don't know if it's because of where we live or because of our age, like us being, you know, a generation kind of older than you guys. But the only people that I knew that went to therapy, I used to work for this like super private school and we'd travel around the world. And some of those kids, went to therapy so i'm wondering yeah, it was either if,
1: really rich kids or really bad kids yeah Eric so i'm
0: wondering do you think I know, it's so true. right so <laughs> does it have to do with socioeconomic status like going to therapy at such a young age do you think
1: yeah are you guys rich or not
3: <laughs> <laughs> me personally it's because i was working on set from when i was like 13 12 years old okay. so for me i had regular sleep patterns i you know like I was so excited about being on the family channel but at the same time I was like constantly you know plagued by different thoughts and stuff so for me it was more like normalizing what it meant to be a 16 year old because when you're constantly surrounded by 40 year olds and 50 year olds on set and you're the only one under 20 you start to think in a very aggressively mature way and you need to get back and background it again so I couldn't relate to any of my friends at school I couldn't really relate to Nicole and stuff so I needed to find a way to like not lose my youth and that was what i was seeing a therapist for i wanted to make sure that i didn't miss out on those experiences because i was too busy like growing up too fast it's just like the most annoying 16 year old you could possibly imagine <laughs> and i think after she helped me i experienced the rest of my teens pretty well thanks to her i don't know if it would have been the same had it not for
0: her that's amazing
1: i'm just curious now what what show on the uh, family channel were you on i had a friend who was on the family channel also growing up oh my who her name's uh ashley leggett she was on life with derek she was the, the oh my lead God, yeah.
3: she and i had the same agent
1: oh wow so what was your show though um it was called
3: connor undercover
1: connor undercover nice and i'm um, connor sounds like a guy's name but it could be a girl's name were you connor and were you under undercover <laughs> i was
3: undercover and he, he was connor <laughs> oh nice
1: <laughs> now what is that like being a uh, an actress because i found with Ashley, we we went to like a movie premiere once and she was in a movie with Lindsay Lohan and Megan Fox called Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. And and I was like, "Oh my goodness, she's going to be the next Megan Fox. She's going to be <clears throat> excuse me, the next Lindsay Lohan." And it just didn't happen for her. And it doesn't happen for most people. Is that a like is that hard for a person when you think, "Oh, I'm going to be maybe this A-list like the, my peer and then I I don't become that." Do you find that puts you in a bit of a, a rut as a kid?
3: I think for me personally, I think a lot of my friends who are also on set, it's more like you want to do great parts. Like you're never Mm -hmm. thinking like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get an Oscar. I can't wait to get the Golden Globe or something. You never think about a star status, especially from Canada. I find Canadian actors don't really care about that stuff. And even having worked with them, they're very like, even when they do work on like some of the biggest sets, with the biggest directors, they're the most just calm about it. Like they kind of really don't care. For me, I think it was more just like I wanted to experience every kind of part I could by like nine years old, which was, you know, that would like take a toll on me. I I want to play like, you know, crazy. I want to play an addict. I want to play, you know, this. I want to play that. And it's like more of a creative thing where if you're not getting that creativity out, I think it can really eat away at you. And that's when people return to more darker pursuits Mm -hmm. if that doesn't pan out. But for me personally, it was like taking that outlet into writing and taking that outlet into me making with like seeing my best friend. Like it's just, I think about using, I think artists in general have this sort of like burning fire and desire in them. But if you're not expressing, even with a podcast, like sometimes I think, I'm sure you guys have this when you're not doing something that expresses you and, and, and where you can vocalize whatever you're feeling, you're not feeling fulfilled.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So I think it's more of the feeling of fulfillment. Like if you want stardom and access and success, then yeah, that's another kind of thing. Of like you need that fulfillment. But if you want to like really like flex the muscle and see if you can do this, if you can do that, that's also like another component of feeling unfulfilled. Or fulfilled. Mm-hmm.
1: What about you, you, Nicole? Like how much pressure do you put on yourself in terms of career? Like what's it like for the younger generation here?
4: Um, I mean, when I first started the account, I didn't really know that it was going to turn into a business. I was planning on going back to school. And I remember telling my mom and my dad about what I was doing. And they were like, no, this is not a real job. (laughs) just explaining it to them was like a whole task on its own. Um, but now it's, it's funny. They're like my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> now my mom's like in the comments, like responding to every single person. And she's like telling every single person she knows about our account. So at, at first, there was a lot of pressure turning this into a business and uh, making sure that people take it seriously. Because we took it a little bit more seriously than our parents did at first. But over time, it's the pressure has gone away, mm-hmm. but there's always a pressure to keep creating and
1: expanding
4: oh, with our account and, uh, you know, going into, into different avenues, our book, our soon to come podcast. So. <laughs> oh, nice.
1: Hey, that's yeah. our turf. <laughs> like, obviously memes have only been around for mm-hmm. so long, so there isn't a, a good example of someone who's been like i've been doing memes for 60 years and i'm I'm, i did it my whole life do you ever worried like uh uh-oh instagram's gonna shut down one day like how vine did like vine Mm -hmm. just fucked a lot of people over who are making a lot of people money one day are you worried that instagram's gonna shut down or or are you thinking oh you'll just hop to the next platform
4: i think we I think, I think Instagram will be around for a while, but um, we are making an effort to diversify to different platforms. And I think we'll really like grow with our audience Mm -hmm. as the time goes. And you know, we'll be able to shift to a different platform if need be. Uh, Obviously Instagram is still our main
0: platform, but I think over time it may change. So I, so so I've, I've a random question, but it's one that I keep thinking about. So when you're creating memes, especially in the beginning, because you two started off anonymously and you weren't tied to the account until you kind of made that known. But when you're sitting there and thinking of memes, do you ever make memes like specifically for people that you're dealing with in your lives, like guys mm-hmm. or girls or whatever, and like just hope <laughs> that they see it and hope it goes viral? All the time, like
4: Lola will come back from a date and make a meme about the guy. Like I'll make a meme about my friend, whatever. It, we're always like taking situations and turning them into memes from our real life. Like what we'll often do is save a bunch of photos and then like a situation will happen to us and we'll be like, okay, which photo can this match do? <laughs>
3: <laughs> but do they ever find out? Well, first of all, right away, they message us like, is this about me? Like, oh, this <laughs> is very good. Like, you're-. And they like, get mad. And I'm just like, then don't be annoying. Like, don't piss us off. <laughs> but there's just some things Nicole's done. Like, I remember I just started seeing a guy a few years ago and he used to, like, have this weird thing of referring to himself as, like, a golden retriever or something. I don't know. It was weird. Hmm. But Nicole, literally, I swear to God, like, two weeks into dating him, so this is really creepy for me to do this. But, like, she posts this more and I was like, when he calls himself a good boy and it's, like, a photo of a golden retriever and he's like, dot, 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 is this about me? And I'm like, and she constantly does these things. I don't know. i didn't realize that she's doing it. She's like, what did I do? And I'm just like, you literally just sabotage my whole dating history. <laughs> or whenever that my
4: exes from like years ago are like, would send me a meme and be like, "Is this about me?" And I'm like, "Okay, relax. Not everything is about you. This is about
1: growth." <laughs> how do you handle conflicts though? Like, obviously that was a funny situation where it's like, "Hey, what are you doing to me?" But you know, Alex and I work together. We're married, and I find we're we're at each other a lot about mm-hmm. business and disagreements. And like, how do you handle it and avoid a situation like what happened with? call her daddy i'm not mm-hmm. sure if you followed that whole drama but i think about that when it's two friends in business Is there a plan in place for if things go sour to like get this in paper here so it's not like a crazy legal battle
3: I say that, like, even if we don't end up being friends for the rest of our lives, which now at this point seems like ridiculous, but we always say, like, if we don't work out, we still have enough information on each other Mm -hmm. to keep this working relationship symbiotic.
1: It's like Nexium, (laughs) the cult. They do
3: that. This is a full on cult here. There you go. (laughs) And the thing is, even if we don't like each other, which we sometimes don't speak to each other for days, like Mm -hmm. it happens because you're constantly together 24-7. We work so well together that we know that even if we're not together, Mm -hmm. we'll still keep it. And creativity because we noticed and I think that's why we've stayed friends for so long is we both break something to the friendship that the other is like severely lacking
0: mm-hmm. yeah. well Shane you he he mentions that like when it comes to like marriage or dating you end up marrying your deficit so whatever you don't have you find that in somebody else so it sounds like you guys have that in not only your friendship but your business relationship right
3: I'm glad I'm married to Nicole
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you guys find that that's
3: true but that, like you yeah. both
1: Yeah, we're very similar in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And uh, yeah, I I think we are so similar, but in other ways, we're so different. When it
0: comes to business, especially where I'm shit, Shane is much better. Like I'm very relaxed. He's more type A, like in a way. Just always
1: stressed and thinking about the business because if I don't think about it, it falls apart.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm the relaxed one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it'll all work out. Don't worry. And she's like, okay, we're like going to do a whole game plan,
0: everything. And I'm like, relax. So one thing that I want to ask you guys about, what is the meme cartel? I've heard this term before. I've heard you're a part of it. Mm. What the hell is the meme cartel?
4: Basically just like a group chat with a bunch of other memers. It's just like a great place to like talk about memes if we have like a new collaboration we'll like bring someone on for an opportunity Um, we'll discuss like
3: it was basically like a, a clique of, of personal memers in a group chat. And they would literally ask if we should induct a new member into the cartel. Or like, wow. This is so long. Ago. That's a cult.
1: <laughs> how dangerous is the, this, though? I don't mean like violence or anything, but I mean, somebody's stealing your memes or, or your ideas or somebody's contributing a little nugget here. But then they all of a sudden say that that's their meme. And it's like, how do you draw the lines in the sand?
3: We would like text the group chat being like, Hey, you guys, we have a campaign coming up support likes, so, like we were always there to support each yes. other okay. it, and like with new opportunities we would tell each other. So it was really just like a very like positive group chat of original creators who had started probably prior to like now we're all meme accounts, like the big 10 at the time. Right. And none yes. of them were really, none of us really that big and yeah so it wasn't like us create because i feel like but now what's really good i find that if someone did create something and you didn't find this the tag originally because people delete them and stuff it's really nice that people message you and they're really communicative yeah. and you can credit them nicely because
4: mm-hmm. it's so hard to find the photo for every single meme it's like the wild west on the mm-hmm. internet you don't. we try our best as much as possible but um you know it's hard to find some random dogs sometimes yeah you know?
1: but it's really about the text the text makes mm. the meme and has it have you ever come across where someone has actually stolen your whole idea tip to tail
4: yeah it's happened a lot like we've had people you know even blur out our watermark and i used to get me specifically i used to get so mad in the beginning like like we're going to like blackmail Ruin this them. person
1: it's always blackmail
4: <laughs> <laughs> like so so angry but i mean now I kind of just shrug it off it's kind of like the name of the game like it'll happen no matter what i i mean we still watermark everything and try to keep everything original but it's it's inevitable i think Mm -hmm. kind of have to just shrug it off
3: yeah
1: and is there a meme role model like someone you're like oh one day we'll be like them like i don't know fat jewish or something
3: we love him um you know i don't think we have a role model per se because I feel like a lot of the bigger ones started around the same time. So it's not, it's it's hard to say like they're doing something that we would idolize, but I think they're all doing incredible things. Like each of them are doing such different things within their avenues. Like, you know, betches, everyone has their own thing. But I think for us, it's just trying to find our own footing and find our own way. And Create something that could also give people more opportunities as well. Bring other people onto the team. Give people a bigger platform. Just sort of continue to spread the message that mental health doesn't have to be this scary, weird thing. And it could just be just as funny and relatable and accessible as all the other things you see online.
1: What's the best meme you've ever done?
4: The one of Chrissy Teigen. I think it was at the Oscars or was it the Grammys? I don't know. It was a few years back. Yeah, that one went the most viral. A lot of the ones that we post during award shows or like any like super publicized event, those go really viral. With the uh, um,
3: Fiji girl, I
1: think. Oh, oh, I know. I had her on my podcast, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fiji girl.
4: Oh no way! Yeah.
1: <laughs> what was it though?
4: I honestly can't, can't remember that one. I know the Chrissy Teigen one where she was sleeping was like me two minutes into like my Monday morning meeting or something like that. But yeah, those ones definitely go viral all the time.
1: <laughs> And do you ever like, um, like when it's, when you're in a brainstorm, like who's leading it? Cause doesn't someone have to say, yeah, that's the good idea. Is there like a, a, a leader who selects the ideas?
3: Yeah. yeah. More like a vote. Yeah. Oh, okay. hmm. One person finds it funny and no one else in, in the group does or on the team, then it's just, it's like, this is a you problem.
0: <laughs> and who's on the team? Like, how many people, I know you guys said you had interns earlier, but how many people do you have on the team making these decisions?
3: Myself, Nicole, and my two sisters, Gina and Nora.
4: are making the core decisions, and then we have the interns. It's more just like us instructing them
1: what to do. Are you allowed to have an intern and not pay them?
3: I think we give them college credits. It's my older sister receives, but I I think we give them a credit,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, good. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I like that.
0: I know. That's super amazing. That's the way to do it. What did your intern get?
1: Well, when I used to be an intern, I I wouldn't get anything. I just got Mm -hmm. the experience. I wasn't even in school. So, but then people were telling me, "Oh, you can't do that," and I was like, "Oh, really?" Like, I I gleaned a lot from not getting paid. And
3: on Instagram, that's what they do a lot of submissions, like for our website and stuff, and they get credit as like a writer's credit, so then they could use that for their resumes. And I know a few of the writers that were writing for my therapist's have like really great jobs now.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, and so the podcast is coming out soon when's when's that starting and what's the concept for that
3: it's in the next month and the concept is sort of something we've been teasing and doing on our stories as of the past month it's something we've been working on for a few years because you know i'm sure you guys know that like second people see you're like mildly successful they're like first idea is like do a podcast do a series Mm -hmm. do this and we've held out for so long because we wanted to make sure that whatever we put out there which is how we approach everything is like really calculated and thought out and thorough. So our podcast is very much that like it was two years in the making of like just making sure we wanted to devote our time to, because we do find that our time now we have to be more valuable with how we use it because Mm -hmm. we don't have that much of it in between like all of the work that we're doing with my therapist says our book, our series, like our TV show. So we wanted to make sure that this was like perfectly executed. So it will be similar to the My Therapist says humor with the memes, but it's gonna be more of a dear Abigail format.
0: Okay. It's very similar to our book, I I would say. It's like a segue from our book. That is very cool. So when you say it's been in the works for two years, have you already recorded everything?
3: We recorded a few pre-recorded a few episodes. We have been because we've been kind of toying with different ideas because we had so many people you was know, telling us different things of like this is what you guys should be this is what the podcast should be this is what you should talk about but again with the name my therapist says there was only so much we were allowed to talk about in like a public like that without you know skewing on the dangerous mm-hmm. so it took us a while to make sure that like we were comfortable putting ourselves out there discussing these things because i think as you've noticed with my therapist says we're not like constantly putting ourselves it's it's really the word speak for itself So with this, it is going to be our voices. It is going to be our faces. So we have to make sure that it's something that we can stand behind. Mm -hmm.
1: And writing a book like Alex is writing a book. And I guess one of the struggles is how do you make the book stand out from what she's already doing online with Mm -hmm. Instagram and having it be something worth buying? What's the strategy with the book and the process behind it?
4: I think what was interesting about our book is it's kind of a self-help book, but we're not like other self-help books where we're, you know, talking down to the person. We're kind of laughing with them, saying that we're going through the same shit. And then we have our therapist who jumps in and, you know, kind of checks us and says, this is not the greatest (laughs) advice. I think it was kind of a dynamic that um, nobody else had done before, so... We thought that would stand out. Is
1: it your actual yeah. therapist who's part of the book with
0: you? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, wow.
1: That's amazing. That's a really great that idea. That is very good. That's so funny.
0: So, you know, going forward, then I know you have the podcast coming out. Uh, I read online and this is something that might be out or it might still be in the works, but like clothing, things like that. Like, is that something that you guys are already doing? already doing
4: that um right now we're in the process of switching to a new manufacturing company and everything
3: and yeah switching over so yeah. like
1: is it is it cl- like clothing or or merch like are you designing like fashion
3: yeah, we have already had merch this is going to be this is because we're actually designing and like taking a lot of time to make and we're trying to make sure like things are ethically sourced everything mm-hmm. is kind of something you know we're proud to Sent to people. So it's more than just our merch, which mm-hmm. we
0: are also expanding that very heavily. That's amazing.
1: Man, you guys really have it all figured out. I wish I was- I want uh, your energy. Yeah. Like, I
3: want no, it energy. No, I,
0: really I know it sounds,
3: it sounds more <laughs> together than it is, but like in, internally it's like chaotic and, and not at
0: all this like cohesive, symbiotic relationship. It's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this all the time? <laughs> but I think there's always going to be an element of chaos when you are successful. Even if you are extremely type A and have everything sorted out, schedule everything down to the last second, I think there's always going to be an element of chaos. And I think that within that chaos, you guys have it pretty figured out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds
0: amazing.
3: (laughs) I I will take it,
4: but I don't know if we agree. (laughs) With chaotic energy, like we, we are always like a little bit last minute with some projects. And, you know, that's when the creative juices really get flowing. And... Yeah. But you said you were going to compare it. I'm curious oh, yeah. if you comparing it to
1: Oh, it. just when I was 26, I was getting rejected from a community college that I applied to as a mature student. <laughs> <laughs> so just to compare here. So, yeah, <laughs> you're really successful. And I'm, I'm proud of you.
3: <laughs> uh, 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 that community college lost out. It's true. Yeah. Right? Well, I
1: ended up fighting it and then they let me in because I wrote them a, a kind of a nasty letter on how they should let me in. And then they did.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Wait, you, you've bartered your way into a college. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good move. That's a real good move. Yeah. But, ladies, we want to say thank you so much for joining us today. And if people want to check things out, check out your merch, buy your book, listen to you guys on your upcoming podcast or find you online, where can they do all that? Uh, Shop.mytherapistsays.ca. Uh, uh, and that's got all the links for everything?
3: Yeah, at my therapist says our Instagram, and my says.ca our website. And
0: yeah, that's our handles has everything. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for having us. Lola and Nicole, thank you guys so much for being here. You honestly, I feel energized. I'm gonna go write on my book. I'm gonna go do it. Screw the kids, they can stay asleep.
1: <laughs> All, <laughs> All right, guys, have a great care. afternoon.
0: Thank you, have a
3: nice day.
1: That's so fun. Okay, Lola and Nicole. See, that I hope was, that was okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, see, I love that. I thought it was fascinating. And honestly, like I think back to myself when I was like in high school with my best girlfriends. That would have been a dream for us. Like such a dream. Yeah, that's
1: a, they have like six million followers. It's,
0: it's it's wild. And the fact that they've turned it into a business now, a viable business as best friends, doing something that, of course, is stressful and hectic and requires a lot more know-how than you might think as a layperson reading memes it's just it seems like so much fun yeah it seems I'm, like so much i'm kind of jealous
1: should we start a meme account can no. we take on something else
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> hell no leave it up to the pros
1: okay but right now speaking of pros we got alex here she's become a researching machine hey, hey. this is the mailbag segment so basically what that is is you the audience, sending questions. Alex does research, answers it. This question could be on anything, not just parenting. Could ask us anything. Nothing is off limits. And there's like a 90% chance Alex will answer it. I think we've rejected like two questions in the history of this podcast.
0: Yeah, I only reject constant repeats. If it's like a repeat you know, months apart, that's cool. But I only reject constant repeats and.
1: And all the questions like, why are you with Shane? Because that, I would say that would be a a (laughs) repeat too.
0: All right. So the first question, I love this question. I answer this a lot uh, just, you know, via DMs. But an important thing for people to know, what is the paddle ball game that you two are obsessed with playing? Who asked this? I don't know who asked it.
1: It's anonymous?
0: No, it's, I don't know, a listener. Like not not one of our typical question askers. I know.
1: What, so what is it?
0: So, okay, it says on the rackets, sports racket paddle ball game. A lot of people are like, oh, cause, so my mom got this gift for us for Easter. And it's, you know, two like kind of foam rackets or foam padded rackets with birdies, like badminton birdies. But they're not badminton rackets. They're more like pickleball rackets, if you know what pickleball is. So it's like a combo of pickleball and badminton. The official name is sports racket. What is it? Paddleball. Sp- yeah, sports racket paddle ball game. If you look on Amazon, which is where my mom got it, there's a lot of different racquetball games, but you got to look for the one. It's like a teal color teal of the rackets, a teal bag, and the birdies are feathered, like with real feathers. They are red and yellow. And the company that makes it is capital L Y G Z T. And then small letters ing, ing. So L Y G Z T I N G. Real feathers, though.
1: Aren't we gonna get peed up our ass now? I like, don't think they're
0: real feathers, but they're like, are they real feathers?
1: I don't know. I thought you said real feathers.
0: Well, I, I just meant over, like, you know how some badminton birdies have the, um, it's like plastic mesh netting.
1: Let me look it up. Okay, I've just looked it up, and apparently they wait until the birds die of natural causes. Oh,
0: perfect. Perfect. (laughs) If you're reporting to PETA, please let them know. But yeah, that's it. It is a blast. Shane, what's our record right now? Is it 350 on the
1: dot? It's around 350 for sure. I believe it could be 351, but I think, yeah, you're right, 350.
0: And we have not come close to that since. We had our second highest two days ago, and it was like 206.
1: Still, I'm proud of all those numbers.
0: Oh, I'm proud of, like, if we get 40, but you and I are busting our butts to, like, mm. run around and dive for the birdies and make really crazy returns, like, I'm impressed with 30.
1: Yeah, it's allowed to bounce on the ground once and then.
0: Well, tell okay, tell people why it's allowed to bounce on the ground once, because I had some people coming after me for that, and they're like, bounce on the ground? What is this? But tell them why that matters. <laughs>
1: Alex, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> I, I just I just wanted to keep the game going. And it does make it more fun. And the birdies are very bouncy. Yeah. So once it hits the ground, it does bounce a substantial distance up. And it would be so foolish to be like, it game's over there. And it adds another element of fun because it gives you those extra few seconds to get it. And you can dive. And it's just a way better workout. Without the bouncing, I would think you would just feel like you did less it would just be more of an arm workout mm. it's a, a total body workout with the bouncing
0: yeah well because like a birdie might go over your head or too far to the left or right and then in a normal game you'd be like oh you i could up i couldn't reach that so whatever but with the bounce it's like no it's not over till it's over and you go running after things and it's it's such a good workout it's I get like no so other sweaty. sport
1: on earth no, except for lust. maybe ping pong and badminton combination <laughs> with a hint of pickleball <laughs>
0: All right, next question. Are you taking a 12 or 18 month mat leave or are you going to be doing the pod full time? So I kind of wish that I took the 18 month. I took the 12 month mat leave. If you're not from Canada, we have the opportunity if you are Uh, Not self-employed because, of course, you do not have the option to get mat leave then and you have to save money on your own. But I work for a union. I work for the school board. So we put money every month away to EI so that when we do take off on maternity leave, we can collect that money. So whether you take the 12-month or the 18-month for money, it doesn't matter. You're getting the same amount of money. Just if you take the 18-month, you're getting less per paycheck because they're stretching out that same amount of money for 18 months. However, you have the job security. So I wish I took the 18 month. I did the 12. We're going to be doing the pod, you know, as full time as we are. We're going to be doing the account full time and I'm going to be working full time, although I'm not looking for anything permanent right now. I'm going to stay supply for a while while the kids are little.
1: Me, on the other hand, I'm quitting my job and starting TikTok full time. (laughs) Why is that a joke?
0: Oh, TikTok's hilarious because it is fascinating. It's fascinating. It can be lucrative. It It is so fun. It is addictive, but it's also so stupid. It's well, so stupid. To all
1: of our fans on TikTok, I don't think she means that. And there will be an apology segment <laughs> next, <laughs> next week. <laughs> and if Jordan is listening <laughs> and you have a popular TikTok account, she's kidding. Okay. She's a bit of a jokester <laughs> on the pod. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm so I'm so embarrassed about uh, Uncle Pete. We all are. Okay. So next, what traditions do you want to pass on to your kids? So I'll start. Shane, I'll give you a second to think. The tradition I most want to pass on to my kids is so every um Christmas, Christmas season on December 24th when you eat like fish and everything like that, you're not allowed to have meat. That's a big Evening for, I, I know like Italians, it's big for Polish families, like we're Polish. And that has always been my favorite Christmas dinner is on the 24th. So we'd always go to my grandmother's house, my Babcha's house, and, you know, we'd eat dinner, we'd have a great time, we'd open presents. And then while all the adults were like kind of sitting around having an after dinner drink and like undoing their top pant button to let their bellies hang out. Me and my cousins and my brother would take all the new presents. We'd go in another room with like a handy camcorder and we would make commercials with all the new items that people had. And it was so much fun. So we'd work for like an hour on making these commercials, then we'd film them, and then we'd come out, hook the camcorder up to the TV, and the whole family would watch the commercials that the dumb kids just spent an hour making (laughs) and laugh at us. And it was so much fun as a kid. And it must have been even more hilarious as a parent, right? I, I, I can only imagine. So now Lucy is the ideal age it would have been great if she could do that this year with her cousin Elsie at Christmas. But of course, COVID, so we weren't able to get together with them. But we still did distance commercials. We came up with ideas in a group text. Then we all filmed our separate segments from our separate houses. And it turned out super well. But I'm really hoping that next year, Elsie and Lucy and even baby Betty can get together and do their like first live action commercials.
1: Yeah, I'm down with the kids doing it, but full disclosure, I hate doing those commercials myself. As a <laughs> as a professional promo producer, the last thing I want to do in the rare downtime I have is produce more commercials. And everyone's like, Shane's a little director. Shane, what should we do? He's the director. It's like, no, just leave me alone. You do it. You have your fun. To me, this is like work and I don't want to think Babe, about I
0: it. I directed you and you did a great job. Because
1: I refused and to. And I
0: edited it all together.
1: I know. I, I did know. all the work. I know. And I'm, that's that's the way I like it. You do all the work. I'll play the character. I was the sausage <laughs> delivery man. And I think I did a good job and I had fun in that role. I am not producing. Okay. What what do I want to do? I When I was growing up, my dad would, he stopped flying. Like if we went on a trip to Florida, for instance, we stopped flying. We would drive there and we would stop at ballparks, like baseball, professional MLB parks. And uh, that was a great tradition where we just started traveling all around the world and going to almost every baseball park and i don't know if it's necessarily baseball i would like to do that with but i do love the atmosphere of a baseball yeah, game it's the best and just like there's a lot of little adventures you go on trying to get to the park and all the each park has a different thing about it that's cool and a food a specialty food that's really awesome and i had this sports illustrated magazine that actually outlined all the best things you can do at each baseball park oh, which cool. was kind of cool it's like having a, a cool map mm-hmm. but maybe with basketball like going to different nba arenas and checking out games and yeah. just a road trip and using the the basketball game season using the basketball season as an excuse to go on a road trip See, i and like I, stuff like that
0: i know we're we're bigger basketball fans than we are baseball however you can't beat a baseball game on a summer day and i think that there's something so road trippy and family oriented about that specifically
1: Yeah, yeah like going right. there
0: getting the hot dog and like it's, just, it's so fun and being outside it's just so fun i love a baseball game in the summer
1: yeah it was it was such great time and mm-hmm. i wasn't a fan of baseball but i was a fan of baseball games And I was so into the games. I I saw a a bottom of the ninth, two-out grand slam by a guy named Jim Eisenreich. And it was just it was very cool. And the fireworks that go off and each baseball park, some of them would have really cool fireworks. Some of them would be really, you know, not cool. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I think that would be a cool tradition.
0: Yeah, that would be amazing. I'm game for that. All right, the next question. What is something that you're proud of each other for? So something that I'm currently proud of Shane for and I mentioned this to him last night so his question is timely and he's just going to hear this uh twice in a row now but Shane has had an incredibly taxing work week and it was ju- it's just the beginning of an incredibly taxing work month and I often find that you know when you know you have a lot of hard work ahead of you and you're at the very beginning stage that can often be the most overwhelming and demoralizing time because you're like, oh, my God, I have so much to do right now. And this isn't going to end for the next three or four weeks. And that is so overwhelming. And whereas you, I think, are, you know, sometimes quick to temper if you're stressed.
1: I'm not quick to temper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But... I think that this week, whatever it is about it, you have been handling yourself so well and you have been working your ass off and really being such a good sport about it and watching you juggle, you know, work with the projects that we're doing in the evenings with being a father who's incredibly active in parenting And just and being my partner and like supporting me and like, oh, my back hurts. Can you massage it after like a long day for you? You've just been so, uh, so great. And I really am proud of how you're handling that. I don't know that I would be able to handle it the same. And uh, you're doing like an amazing job. Like I'm very in awe of you this week.
1: What's the question? What do I like about you?
0: No, what are you proud of?
1: Proud of? (laughs) <laughs> no it's not that I'm not proud of you it's that i'm I'm proud of everything uh, about you you know we I feel like we had this question like the other week and I just went on about how
0: well it's like it's like a current thing like what right now is there is there something that's happening that you're proud of and you know feel free to use this as practice because you do have to write me a mother's Day card tomorrow so you can like kind of get some okay, preliminary well, thoughts let me out pull here out my notes that Don't i have read for- me your mother's day card that's the well, one thing that can be as I'm just
1: notes that it's dingus gonna, okay. You, good mom, pretty, <laughs> nice hair. This is all just dashes, <laughs> smile, brights, brightens room.
0: This isn't real, is it? No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I, I am like, it's here's the thing about you. You're always consistent. You're not a person who is this big roller coaster that it's like, I'm proud of you because you didn't uh, fly off the handle this week. Whereas with me, it's more like, I'm proud of Shane. He didn't have a temper and he normally does. So I feel like it's, I get a lot of credit for, you know, being in line. Whereas you're always pretty much in line and I'm proud of you for that. And you're very intelligent and kind. So yeah, (laughs) just huge blanket of proudness at all times.
0: All right, thank you. Uh, okay. In your opinion, what is the most difficult part of parenthood? So again, I'll start off with mine. And I did a little research to
1: You need to do a little bit of research no, no, to say no, just, that we have no time and <laughs> time is all gone into fitting in any mundane Here, task is impossible. Thing.
0: That that isn't because of parenthood though. That's because of no it's child. Not. That's Parenthood is a contributing factor, but that's because of pandemic. That's because of taking on too much work. That's because of no child care. Parenting is one factor.
1: I think they always take the time away. <laughs> but
0: for me, it is the most difficult part of parenthood is the exhaustion and sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation is torturous. And I wanted to find a little background information on the detriments of sleep deprivation because but it wait, is can I just so hard. Cut in. Yeah.
1: Wouldn't you say that you're sleep deprived because the children are taking your time away?
0: Well, no, it's because...
1: The time you need to sleep.
0: (laughs) Okay, I get your point. Okay, Okay, listen, there was a study done in January 2019 by Oxford University Press on behalf of the Sleep Research Society. And they found that for moms and dads alike, sleep hadn't returned to pre-pregnancy levels six years after having their first child. Six years. Why? Because it goes from newborn phase to baby phase to sleep training to bedwetting, which is what we're going to go through with Lucy, to nightmares and kids coming in, like things like that. And there's always something for the first six years that's stopping you from getting a great night's sleep. So Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, parents, if I'm crushing your hopes and dreams right now. Well, anyone
1: probably with a six-year-old knows this. You don't need to go to Oxford, right? It's just- No,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, but I mean, the thing is many parents don't understand that, you know, having lack of sleep to this degree can cause so many negative effects unless you're in it. And I think sometimes moms are experiencing this more than fathers are. The study says moms and dads, but I think moms are experiencing it to a different degree, but there are physiological, cognitive, emotional things that begin to suffer and less than six hours of sleep. I was surprised to hear this. Is considered acute deprivation. So if oh, you're that's getting acute deprivation, <laughs> you have <laughs> no. But if you're getting less than six hours in one night, that night you have sleep deprivation, which is a lot of nights. I think just for working adults, right? Like you are often in that category.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but that, even for one night, obviously the next day that is going to result in a decline in performance in whatever you're doing. But then if this is happening chronically like if you're getting poor sleep and sleep deprivation every day for months and months and months while you're sleep training your kid or until your kid is freaking six years old this is going to lead to continued and worsening impairment in a lot of regards so it is so important um I got all that information from today's parent they talk a lot about the study so go check that out but sleep is crucial find ways to get more find ways to get more uninterrupted sleep. I know Shane is taking the kids down early in the morning so I can make up for the sleep that I lose overnight and that's helping. But yeah, it's tough. That For me, that is the worst. What is the most difficult aspect of parenting for you?
1: I opened with it, time. It's all, oh, the right. time is all gone, out. Al. Yeah. I can't do anything anymore. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> no, I don't know. Time, yeah. What Time. else do you got for me?
0: Okay. Did you do anything with your placenta after birth? No. No, I birthed it, left it there.
1: That's However, what you thought.
0: <laughs> did you eat my placenta, Shane?
1: I'll never tell. No, I don't know. I'm just trying to uh, be funny here. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you, you did do something. We, I did do something? Yes. And that was one of your first TikToks to be successful. We took oh, a risk.
0: Oh, you're right. There was a
1: very kind woman and she was, I don't a know. A nurse disposing of the placenta or whatever you Mm. do with it afterwards and we're like could you give us a little lesson on the placenta while we film you yeah and she's like yeah so she described everything about the placenta and it was really disgusting and fascinating
0: it was so fascinating fascinating. it's a great combo but it was incredibly fascinating it was so cool to see you know what your child has been living off of and what has been nourishing them for the past nine months and what was connecting you to your child like it it was it was amazing it was very amazing uh but during my pregnancy you know I started the blog and a company offered me they didn't even offer it to me for free it was like discounted placenta encapsulation so they still wanted me to pay like 500 dollars, and essentially that is when you dehydrate your placenta and you turn it into pills. And the companies that do this and the people that do promote it uh, says that it can help with postpartum depression, uh, anemia, a lot of um, nutrient deficiency and things like that after, after birth. However, there's no actual science to back that
1: up. It's like rhino horn. Gives yeah. you increased performance in bed. It's like just like a myth, right? Yeah.
0: And like who knows? It it may help. It may help some women, but studies have been done, and there is no actual evidence that it helps. And there's absolutely zero evidence that it prevents or cures postpartum depression. And so, you were
1: considering it though.
0: Yes, I was. Yes. I was definitely considering it because it sounded like such a miracle thing. And it came from me. It's like, oh, this, this can be great. It comes from my body. It can't be harmful, but this isn't a really regulated field. Like it's not a popular thing. It's a pseudoscience. So because of that, it can have the potential to be very dangerous. Like it can expose you to very harmful bacteria that can make you and your baby very sick. So I know women that have done this and I know women that speak so highly of it. However... You know, I'd I prefer to stay on the safe side, and I would always caution those listening yeah. to stay on the safe side. And
1: because not everything that comes from your body is good for you, like poop, pee pee, caca, vomit.
0: <laughs> you don't want to be eating any caca, definitely not. All right, so the next question. Oh, right, it starts off.
1: I love how you jumped in on there <laughs> to not let me have the joke poop. You knew I was going there, just let me have my moment in the sun.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I was excited for it. Uh okay, this is not a question, but I appreciate that you do not use a filter on Instagram. So this is a new thing. You've been
1: swearing on the gram. I
0: feel, no, but I have not been using uh Instagram filters for maybe uh, I don't know a month and a half now. And I was, I wasn't like always using filters before, but I imagine use- you
1: were. Would you be insulted? <laughs>
0: <laughs> But uh, I, I would, you know, use the Paris filter first thing in the morning, or if my skin wasn't smooth and like I had pimples or whatever.
1: What's the Paris filter? Like a it's, beret? It's, and no, <laughs> baguette.
0: You know when you open Instagram and it's like they have the built-in filters that yeah. you can just swipe. It's you like really
1: have light or something.
0: Yeah, it's like lighter. It smooths things a little bit to like a natural kind of degree. So that's what I liked about it. But I stopped using that because it is a form of digital distortion and i was distorting my face and perpetuating bad beauty standards that even i can't live up to
1: do you know how real and authentic i am
0: how real and authentic babe
1: i use a filter that makes me look worse
0: that's digital distortion
1: if oh, you were you don't to. get credit even if you, you're like you're so <laughs> legit you want to make yourself look even <laughs> older <laughs> Like just subtly. It just ages me by like seven months. Darkens
0: the eye bags, yeah. makes the skin a little looser. Yeah. So if anybody's been wondering why Shane looks a little tired lately, that's uh It's
1: for the gram baby. Get those likes.
0: <laughs> I wanted to address this because it was brought up because this has been something that I've been kinda of struggling with, you know, when it comes to makeup, when it comes to injections and everything like that. And having raising two kids, girls we're raising girls, but if we're raising boys, I don't think it would matter because I know that boys are also under pressure and everybody's kinda living up to these unrealistic standards, and it's hard to get away from because editing software is so easy. Like, it's built right into the app. You can't get away from it. And I found some stats from Dove Self-Esteem Project because they are now doing this reverse your selfie campaign, and it's, you know, against digital distortion. So it, it makes a difference, and if you do use filters, I would consider these stats. I would consider the example you are setting, and the ideals that you're perpetuating. Uh, And, you know, if you want to keep using them, awesome. But if you don't, super awesome. But 67% of girls say they would not end up feeling judged on the way they look if people didn't use filters. 66% of girls said they would be less worried about the way they look. Is that what I just said? Oh, so it's feeling judged and then just being, you know, internally not worried. And then 63% of girls said that they wish the world would focus more on who they are inside instead of what they look like. So these are young girls taking this survey. And that last one kind of broke my heart. And I don't want Lucy and Betty growing up and thinking that the world and the people around them and their peers are not valuing who they are inside. And, you know, valuing only who they are by the way they look. That would, like, that's just so heartbreaking to me.
1: Yeah, it's tough on Instagram. I mean, it is largely a visual medium.
0: Yeah. And and the thing is, so we've turned it into a visual medium where people want to see these like Photoshopped and filtered and injected people because that's what we're used to. And then it's like any realistic looking person or person who's not doing these things looks. It's just different. It's noticeable right mm-hmm. so like let's shift that let's make the people who don't use filters don't do anything let's make realism normal and then make it easier to pinpoint the other stuff you know what I mean so that people know that they're great that they way they are and obviously this is going to sound like after school especially so I'm not going to go on too much but yeah I like it yeah Shane have you ever used a filter as a man
1: I'd rather not answer that question. No, yes, I yeah, I guess. Like the I thought when I first got Instagram, I thought if you didn't use a filter, you weren't doing it right. So, you know, every filter was like that weird, ugly, bright, like i I didn't know what you're supposed to do on Instagram. So I used a filter on every single photo. Ever.
0: Yeah, no, see, I, I use it on photos still, but it's for like an aesthetic thing to make all my photos have like the same amount of like light and dark or have like a fade to make them look vintagey. But the filters that I think. Well, we're all talking my about photos here, are
1: just me standing with the beer. Like if you look at any photo, it's just <laughs> me with my arm around a friend giving a thumbs up. And it's like some weird filter.
0: <laughs> but that, but that's different, I think, than the filters that like are intended to make you look quote unquote hotter. Like oh, well. smooth Skin filters and big lip filters and whatever.
1: I think, yeah. If I'm on Snapchat, I, I was like f- going around there and like. You Dog want- face? Yeah, I don't know. Like just being <laughs> silly. I don't know.
0: <laughs> All right. So the next question, our final question. I like this one. Would you prefer a full-time chef or a full-time Masseuse. cleaner? Oh. So Shane.
1: Masseuse. I know no, that's not on the list. It's but not on the list.
0: I'm... Full-time chef or full-time cleaner? Chef. Okay, that was my initial response. I changed it.
1: You're a good cook though. To actually. full-time
0: cleaner because I, I'm a good cook if I have the time to cook. And I enjoy cooking if I don't have a million other things to do. A full-time cleaner, Shane, like if we're just running around the house, living our lives, throwing things everywhere.
1: I like how rude we are with the cook- <laughs> We have a cleaner now. Boom, S- smashing dishes like we're Greek.
0: No, but you know, just doing that, that- Freeze up so much time in a day. You feel good because your house looks good. And it's like, hey, I want to prep a big, beautiful meal for my amazing family tonight. And then you can do that with more peace of mind. And hmm. yeah, so that's you the way what? I'd go.
1: You know what? What? You just changed my mind. <laughs> I, you, you seriously did. Cleaner. It, it's right. We have the good food here anyway. Yeah. We got all the awesome food to order. And I like experimenting with like, I yeah. feel like if we had a chef, it'd be hard to... Be like, okay, you're off tonight because we're getting Berkeley North. I know. And then it'd be like, oh, we're wasting our money with the chef who's hes a live-in chef. He's like sleeping with us. He's not cooking.
0: He's like out of work for a night.
1: Yeah, it'd be very awkward. But... Yeah. Is this, is this the episode?
0: That's the episode, babe. Good
1: episode. Great episode.
0: Great episode. Super-sode.
1: Yeah. It's a super-sode. And thank you for listening. You don't have to give us a five-star rating. Listening is quite enough. But if you do want to give us that and leave a comment, we would appreciate us. We would appreciate us. We,
0: we would appreciate you.
1: It. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know you. what we're trying to say. You, it. We would love it.
1: Anyway, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree Podcast. Podcast.
0: Episode 85.